Hey everyone, we are super excited. Welcome to our first episode of the That's Where podcast. We are taping live today in Philadelphia, PA, in front of a live audience. Say hi, guys. <sighs> all right, so guys, um, we are going to have a lot of fun today. In all transparency, we do not know what's going to happen, what's going to be said, but we do know that we are going to get to the solution of some questions that I've been asking myself, and I want to ask a few close friends today. So the goal today is to provide some clarity on, you just give, I would say, more so women insight, particularly professional and entrepreneur women insight on what it looks like to be successful in terms of mental health, physical health, money, and relationships. So I'm super excited to be in my hometown, Philadelphia, today to kick off this conversation. Our first guest goes by the name of Slap. Everyone say welcome to Slap. Let's bring Slap to the stage, everyone. Hey, Slap. What's up? All right. All right, so Slap, it's good to see you up here. <laughs> Slap, I'm going to allow you to do your own introduction. I will say this, you've been one of my closest friends, and um, I wanted to have you be one of my first guests because Slap has its own very, very popular podcast. You make sure you tell them what it is, but some may already know. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm going to be honest with you. He was the first person to ask me to do a podcast interview when I started my brand as a student loan doctor. Now, I should do what he did to me, okay? What? You remember what you did? So it was going real good, y'all, like real professional. Questions about the brand, the business, and then uh. it's this 30-second remix. We are not <laughs> going to do that to people. And I look like a little deer in headlights. It was about sex and kinky stuff. I mean, I don't even know, y'all, how I answered. We should just go back and look. Look pretty good. I was still diplomatic, was I not? Yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking, I don't really like this man. <laughs> but we grew and we have a really great friendship um, and I think that his podcast now is involved. It has changed. I do want you to talk about that. Um, and you do a lot. You have a lot of different hats. Yeah. So you got to decide which hat you want to wear today. I'm going to wear the professional one today. We don't want that. Okay. Okay, well, good. Alright, all right, so I only have one rule. <laughs> the rule that I have for this show is that I want you to act like it's just us in the room talking. Oh, okay. Now, don't be worried. There may be millions that watch this show one day. It's close to about 75 people here today, so I think we're, we're right. amongst good company. So introduce yourself, and then we'll get into some questions okay. about you. Um, how, how everybody's going? My name is Slap. Well, my first name is John, but I go by Slap. I'm not going to get into how I got that name, because I changed my life. So, uh, but <laughs> I am a father. I'm an actor. I'm a writer. Um, and I am a podcaster as well, and that's... Uh, I forgot who brought you on to the podcast. D. Oh, yeah, the comedian. Yes. Comedian. So that's how me and Sonya met, and that was over, uh, like, 2014 uh, or 14, something like that. Well, let's see. No, maybe, like, 15, 16. Yeah, 2015. Yeah. It was 2015. Yes. Um, and that's when we met. I've been acting for about 18 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I've done three one-man shows, two of them at a theater on Broadway. I was um, extremely happy about that. It's hard to get people in Philly to come see you in Philly. Yeah. So three sold out shows in New York just, you know, made me feel um, extremely happy because, you know, sometimes your folks don't show up you unless you are a celebrity. Mm -hmm. So, um, but I was grateful for that. Sony has always supported me with everything that I've done and everything that I'm about to do. So. Basically, that's, that's just, that's just, that's just, that's just me. So, 
Y'all, he did Broadway. And I have to say that um, one thing I appreciate about you is that he will come up with a vision and he will execute the vision and people will support it. They may, they may not. I think you do pretty good though with support. It's growing even more yeah, so. Y'all don't have that problem. And yeah. even if I do, I don't even, I used to let that yep. bother me. Why this person not coming? Why that person ain't coming? But the, the main focus, it should be on who shows up for you. And that's what I stop worrying about who don't come and I appreciate the people that do show up. I'm in this season as well. So we're going to ask a few questions to, to learn a little bit more about you. Um, but the reason why you are here, as will be in future shows, is that we have a segment called the Big Brother segment. All right. Think Kevin Samuels, but nicer. Could you do that? Me? No, not you. Don't have oh. to be Kevin Samuels. Well, let's back up. And, oh, I know the comments are going to like, I'm Kevin Samuels. Well, the thing I appreciated about Kevin Samuels, God rest his soul, was that I thought that he was always honest, even when it hurts. Yeah. And I think his delivery sometimes is what uh, did not allow people to really receive the message that he was trying to convey. So my goal with this segment of the show is to ask some questions about relationships, women, as you may see it, this is all your opinion. Mm -hmm. um, but I want you to be authentic and honest because something you may say today may make a light bulb go off for another person. Good? Uh, yeah, I'm okay with that. All right, but before we get into that part, <laughs> um, I want to learn a little bit more about you. So okay. what motivates you? Is it money? Is it uh, happiness? Is it stability? Like, what's your motivating factor when you wake up in the morning? My family. Your family? Yeah, my family is my motivation, my mother, my daughter. Um, my mom is, like, my, my biggest supporter mm -hmm. uh, with anything that I do. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'll do something and I know it's not right. Like I might make something, cook something, and I know it's bad. My mom is not going to tell me <laughs> it's bad. She'll like, oh yeah, this is good. I'm like, you know it's too much salt in here. Right. Uh, so, but I, you know, everything I do, I, I do for my family. A lot of people, you know, they, they look up to me and they, look, they believe in everything that I do. So right. that's, that's my um, motivational drive right there. It's my okay. family. Let me ask you this, um, and you can get as personal as not, it's up to you. I know you, and I know you've gone through a lot in the last year in terms of losing people. Mm. So, um, I, you know, and I will say that everyone in their lifetime will have a season in which they experience great loss. But I'm going to say this, the way that uh, my friend here, Seth, has been on my prayer list will probably be above anybody in this room because he has experienced such tremendous loss with a lot of different friends, and family member, it's almost like it was been back to back. Yeah. And then I really just have been checking on him about in terms of his mental health because he still has to be a father. He still has his career. He still has a great career that's offline, right? That you right, work right, yes. through. And um, he does, it, in my opinion, with a smile. Um, and so I'm like, are you okay? This is <laughs> a lot. So what would you say, like, how do you think you're able to be so resilient because that may help someone here today? Um, I was brought up in the church, um, so I've always had strong faith. Uh, 2022 was the roughest year of my life. I've been to eight funerals. Mm -hmm. I lost my pastor, I lost two of my best friends, and then I lost my dad. And then my, my daughter lost her great-grandmother, and then her husband, he passed away. So I've always been, you know, of, of this belief of, you know, just believing in God and, you know, things happen for a reason. Um, it was rough for me, though. Uh, I was that friend, like you said. I, check on that friend who 
is always smiling. The friend that's always smiling sometimes is the friend who is always going through something. I had a friend who committed suicide a couple years ago, and you would not be able to tell that this girl was going through something. She had the brightest smile. She always was smiling, and she seemed to be so happy, but she hung herself. And nobody knew what was actually going on. Um, so I try to tell people, you know, even like, you know, and Sonia is that friend, like, she said, I do it with a smile. I am doing it with a smile. My mother is the strongest woman that I know. And even while my dad is laying there and he had the tube in him twice, my mom is just breathing life into everybody in the family because everybody is sad, everybody's crying. My mom's sitting there like, it's okay, your daddy's going to be all right. I couldn't see that, but my mom did. You know, and even when he passed, I understood what it was because even if my dad would have survived, he wouldn't have been his normal self. Mm -hmm. You know, so I, I don't want him to be around as a vegetable and things like that. So um, I would tell people to definitely check on your friends, the ones that you think is the strongest, because I was that person and I felt like I could handle things by myself. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't, you know, I, I started seeing therapists. Well, I was already seeing a therapist before that. And that's another thing too, like black men, please don't be afraid by myself and I couldn't in my very first um, therapy session I did all the talking for 45 minutes and when I walked out of there I felt like a new man like mm -hmm. damn if I would have did this 10 years ago mm -hmm. you know I probably would have been a better individual for everybody that had came into my life. Mm -hmm. I think that therapy is very important and one of the episodes I'm actually going to bring on my therapist uh, I got in, acquainted with her in 2018 and I didn't know I needed therapy until I knew I needed it. Mm. And I think guys, if you're watching and you're thinking like, do I need therapy, should I? Yes, everybody, and I believe watching, I think that's gonna be naturally attracted to this podcast or that's in this room, is carrying some type of load. Oh, yeah. And the thing about it is nobody in this room looks like what they're going through. Facts. Um, nobody that's watching probably looks like what they're going through. I know I don't look like what I'm going through, but the thing is, um, sometimes you're, raise your hand if you're the strong one. You're carrying somebody, something. Mm. Even outside of your children, you probably are the person. The person that they call and ask for money. The person they call and ask for advice. The person they call and expect is going to show up. Like, you're the person. And I think I realize I attract other strong people, mm. like other strong friends. Um, I feel like we need our own support group. Yeah. Maybe the show will turn into that. <laughs> um, but I want to go back to one thing, and then I want to get into some good questions um, for the Big Brother segment. But... I wanted to stay right there. You talked about therapy for men, right? And um, do you feel like that men are comfortable going to a therapist? Do you think that they are ashamed? Do you feel like this is even a conversation that comes up amongst your friends that you feel like you can have with them about therapy? I think they just, you got to get to the point where you want to get help. And that's where I was at. Like, I always said I could self-medicate and I, I'm a self-motivator. But, you know, with certain things like dealing with grief and stuff like that, I thought I could handle it myself. Mm -hmm. And But you can't. But you have to get to the place where, you know what, this, what I'm doing is not working. So what, what is plan B? And plan B for me was to allow myself to see a, a therapist. Mm -hmm. Now, that comes with allowing uh, yourself to be vulnerable. I'm a guy uh, who, who is considering myself to be super macho, mm -hmm. so I don't like to be vulnerable. But I know that's a place that, you know, we have to go sometimes in life. Vulnerable, let your pride down, and, and uh, get the ego out the door. 
And yeah. that's what I had to allow myself to see. Like, all right, I, I, I can't do it. What I'm doing is not working. Mm -hmm. It's about to put me in friends' hospital. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I know what they do with people in friends, and I don't, I don't want to go there. Right. So I had to get myself together and allow myself to sit there. And, like I said, I did all the talking. But I felt, I felt so great. Like, I felt like a new person getting on that elevator and walking outside. And I, 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 I don't even regret not going mm -hmm. when I should have went. Everything's happened in this divine time. Mm -hmm. so I was supposed to go through what I went through in order for me to understand mm -hmm. how much help a therapist would be for me. Yeah. So I have to say this. So uh, Slap and I got reacquainted in 2018. And I want to say, Slap, um, I'm, I'm really, really proud of your growth. I'm watching and listening to you. I'm like, this is not the same person. Yeah, I, I was a whole nigga. Yeah, I was a whole yeah. nigga back in the day. Well, you <laughs> I'm like, Slap. So in 2018, I was uh, coming out of a very toxic relationship, and I almost didn't want to be toxic with the friends that knew me best, and most of them were in this room. Mm. And to be quite honest, some of them didn't want to hang out with me either at that time. I forgive you. Uh, <laughs> so what happens is when you're toxic and you don't know that you're toxic, you just wind Oof. up finding other toxic people. So I fell slack. Dang. <laughs> And I did, I did, I did. Um, Damn. He was a safe toxic, like uh, <laughs> like the safe toxic. Wow. Because uh, I had a comfort in him from before. We weren't friends like that yet. And then I just kept seeing him for karaoke. And so karaoke at the time was very much therapy for me. And this is how my life would go. I was doing student loan doctor stuff, teaching all day, all night. Class in like 10 o'clock, I'm telling y'all, my shoes would be at the door and I'm headed out to karaoke. So, and the thing is, we were like chasing karaoke's around the city. Mm -hmm. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? It was Monday, Tuesday, Monday, and I think Wednesday. Wednesday, Thursday? Yeah, yeah. We did have a day off. Yeah. I think it was Wednesday. Yeah. Yes, Wednesday's a team meeting. That's good. <laughs> All right, so <laughs> Mondays, Tuesdays, and Thursdays, I would see him, and then we started to have like a little crew. And um, you can sing, and I, my other people in our little crew. No, 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 I can't sing. Well, I thought you could. Cause no, 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 no. You know what? Maybe that was I'm an actor. Guy. Yeah, he pretended yeah. to sing. Yeah. And I feel like I can sing if you just pretend with me. Right. So anyway, you always make me feel like I can sing. I do appreciate that. <laughs> and um, we were just, I feel like I was listening one time. I remember I was, like, quite on. And I was listening, and I was listening to all the songs that my friends were choosing. And I'm like, we are really toxic. We are mm. really. Oh, all the I karaoke mean, we songs. We was fucked up. Like, yeah. And I'm, so somebody's going down with Mary J. Blige. One is singing uh, all the music soul child mm, All the music jaws. <laughs> all the Tony Braxton. All the Tony Braxton. And um, you know what? We stayed in that place. I'm going to say we were together for a solid like six months. Yep. I think when we started to like get our own little therapy going for our mm. individual selves, I might have had started therapy first. One thing I was really nervous about was that I was just concerned that what was happening in my personal life was going to affect my professional life and my money and my payroll. And I remember um, I met, her name is Dr. B. Cope. She's a therapist to uh, different celebrities. I'm like, well, she can handle my stuff. I ain't a celebrity. I just to work out. But I needed that high-level discretion that she provided. And I remember she had told me what to do in terms of, like, some assignments. We got down to the root of some stuff. We were afraid at the end of it. And I told her, I said, I think I got to slow up with going to karaoke with my friends. 
Because karaoke for me was therapeutic, but not in a positive way. Right. But I remember thinking, well, I don't want to lose my friend Slap. Because remember, my brain is associating him with alcohol and singing fun or sad songs and cracking jokes on people. But the point is, we got through that. We still are, have our friendship. And I just had an opportunity to watch you evolve over the years into a more healthier version of you. So let's give him a hand clap. I'm very proud of him. I'm looking at him for you. Okay, sorry, we got to go into our next segment, the Big Brother segment. This is good. So, Sam, I really uh, admire um, you in a good <laughs> way. Maybe not so good. So one of the things I always appreciate about Slap is that um, he, he, you, you dating still, right? You date. Oh, Lord, you're going to clear him up. I see what's about to happen. Oh, yeah, I'm dating. You sure? Yeah. So if somebody watched it, they say it's okay that you said you're dating? Yeah, I yeah, Like, are yeah. you single and they're in a relationship? No, no, no. Oh, okay. It's a lot of that going on. It, no, none of that. So you're single, that. single? I, yeah. Are yes. you sure? Oh, oh I'm, I'm so sure. It's April 30th, 2020. Yeah, I'm, I'm positively sure. I ain't here. What you say? You said it while I was speaking of. Oh. Are you single, single? So you good with these questions we're about to get into? I'm, I'm good with any question. Okay, so let me ask you a question. Why do you think you're single? Let's start there. I'm, I'm single on, by choice, though. Okay, well, it's always a man's choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, I mean, yeah, that too, but I feel like I haven't... Well, no, I'm, I'm different than I was how I thought about relationships last year, and I think that had to do with everything that I was going through. Mm -hmm. um, but now, you know, I had to, I had to do a lot of soul-searching. The hardest thing for me was looking in the mirror and seeing the individual that I was and how that individual hurt people. Mm -hmm. I, re I regret hurting people um, along the way of me growing into this person. But that was just how my life was written out. You, you know, Do you think there's anybody that you owe an apology to in this new version of you? Uh, I don't think... I've, I've already apologized though. So okay. if they didn't get it, they didn't they didn't deserve it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So if they're watching it, they didn't get an apology. That's on them. Okay. Yeah, that's on them. I just want to comment below, maybe we get an apology overseas. <laughs> <laughs> Not by me. <laughs> Not by right, me. Let me ask you a question. So um, we are here in Philadelphia. Um, what do you think about the dating scene here in Philly? Now you guys can't hear this. Dating is, dating is rough. I mean, it's rough for both sides. Mm -hmm. um, for for men, dating went well. Yeah, but for men, you know, I think social media messed up a lot of things because I feel like nobody is their natural self now. Mm -hmm. I just think everybody in Philly just feels like they're a celebrity. They want celebrity status. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like nobody genuinely now just likes somebody for them. It's, mm -hmm. it's what that person got, how many followers, if he got a blue check. Who, check. Well, now you can. Yeah. yeah, but now you can. But, you know, before that, uh, there is no patience mm -hmm. with dating. When you're dating, do you look at somebody's social media in the beginning or you try not to? Oh, no, 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 no. Only I'm looking at her feet. <laughs> <laughs> Really a thing. Like, man, a she can't of have bad feet, man. Go straight to the feet. Feet and teeth. Okay. We can't go to the beach if your feet jacked up. <laughs> no. So it's funny you say that. So you know, I moved to Miami last year, and one thing, the first thing I did when I moved there, because 
Miami reminds you of how pretty you are or are not. It's a Kevin Samuels moment. I was like, you a three. No, y'all stop. Cut the shit. So Miami, these women are carved out to perfection of their version of Miami. But it's fake. I'm three in real life. I'm just saying, like, when you get there, Oh, y'all gonna be honest or not? When you land in Miami and you see what goes past you, you be like, well, how much did that look cost? Like, everybody looked like they went to the same doctor. And so, let me just say this. Um, one of my sorority sisters, she saw me, she said, oh my God, you look good, you've been coming down. You got to walk and exercise when your ass live there. Because I am out there in a market, and even if I'm just moving around, I gotta feel my best self. And I'm not trying to be funny, I, I will say when I lived in Philly, I was all right, I was, you know. <laughs> I woke up like this. <laughs> I was going to pull 10 a day just regular with a sweatsuit. Miami is a little different. You know what I'm saying? And I think it's a lot aesthetically uh, a difference in Miami. So one of the first things I did when I got there was I put out over $15,000 in my teeth work. So there was a lot of work that I started doing in my teeth. Smart. Now, again, if you knew me, you didn't say I would have bad teeth. But I also had a lot of teeth that were missing. Because when I was in college, they would like pull teeth but mm. not replace your tooth. And, I'm just telling y'all what's going on. I had the welfare insurance back in school, okay? Hmm. And I didn't know that when you get a tooth pull, you're supposed to like restore bone, to put like an implant in. But these things don't occur when you don't got the best health, you know, tooth, what's it what's called? Dentist insurance. So um, now that I have some money, Cardi B says fix your teeth. Right. So I was been, you know, and I think that those were in my tribe. Sometimes y'all would see me on the camera, like how y'all doing today. I would be a little swole, but we started to teach. And I'm like, you, you're going to listen to it, okay? Everybody, we're going to talk about these two loans. And like, I just, I'm But I was very honest and transparent about the process that I'm still maybe like 6,000 hours from finishing my restorative work. And that's very important to me because- On your teeth? Yes. Everybody there has the most beautiful, prettiest teeth. It is the thing that just hits you first when you see them. And they might be veneers, they might be whatever, but I like that they care that much about their Teeth, so teeth are very important to me. Yes, very important. Um, let me say this to you. When you meet a woman, right? When you see her, what are, what's the first thing that catches out about what besides teeth? Now, her feet are away, so if it's not summertime. What's the next thing that catches her teeth? Yeah. And then? Her lips. Her lips, second. Hopefully her breath don't stink. Okay. But we didn't get that close. You just saw uh, her. Well, I'm, I'm going to look how, how, how cute. Her face is? Yeah, her face, yeah. We're going to the face. Well, she over there. You saying she over there? I'm looking over there. What about her body? <sighs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not too picky. I mean, right, I'm... Because we're in Philly? No, no, no. I'm not... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No. no, because... <laughs> no. Oh. Oh. I'm not... I'm not... I'm not... Like, body body type. Like, you know, I, I do like them thick, though. No, I'm saying, so let's back up. Depending on where you're watching this, in Philly... Um, women here are thick, right? right? And thick is a good thing. Even well, you know, I saw a meme. I like the fake body stuff. Go get a BBL, come back to 22nd. I think that's a real good meme. Like, why would you get that and just still be living? Maybe they're trying to get out there. And then her teeth still ain't fixed. Well, they didn't know that. They skipped that. She's not responsible. (laughs) (laughs) She ain't responsible. I do think that uh, teeth indicate dental insurance or money. Yeah, but how much the BBL cost? That that's like a that's like a car note, right? Don't you pay that? Is that that's not a monthly that's not a monthly bill. I heard it was a monthly bill. I don't you know. You want the truth? Yeah, I'm not. I'm telling my virgin. Oh what? 
BBL. Okay. You got BBL? Well, no, not. Let's just be quiet. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about everything else. This nigga did not tell me she had a BBL. So here's what happened. <laughs> what? Um, I had lost about 100 pounds, right? You saw my weight yeah, loss. Yeah, I remember that. And yeah. Give it up for that. Now, that surgery cost me about 15000 <laughs> I had got the sleeve. And uh, shout out to my friends that were a part of that restorative effort. Uh, because you know it's a lot when you get that sleeve surgery. You, a thousand? Yeah, fifteen thousand. Yup. I needed to get some weight off of me. And I hate when people say, "Just go to the gym." I did. <laughs> it didn't work. So I got the sleeve surgery, okay. and I don't regret that decision. I am though still mentally hungry. We're gonna do a whole episode about that surgery. Like right. I'm still hungry. I'm hungry right now. For what though? Just hungry. Like food hungry? All my life since I had that surgery, I'm hungry. Oh. But I can't eat. So sometimes I have a little chip on my shoulder when I see people eating. Like you see somebody sit down and really get to a plate. Yeah. That'd never be me. If you ever go out to eat with me before raising hands, you know I'm gonna have about two doggy bags to go. <clears throat> Three bites. It's very it's very it's very frustrating. But anyway, let's get back to it. Okay. So what happened was I had uh in the <coughs> pandemic, I was doing all this walking, bike riding, and I had lost all this weight, and then I had a little flat. It would be like right here. Your, your stomach? Yeah. Like That's a little, the best. Like a, no, 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 no. It was like a little kangaroo pouch. That I didn't yeah, it keep everything warm. No, not talk, no. It didn't have any more fat in it. It was just a flappy. Oh. And I just felt like it was messing up, oh. like my aesthetics, like how I saw my vision. So anyway, I remember um, I had to pay a doctor uh, 10000 to cut that off. After the 15000 yeah, don't try to do my math on it right now. I don't know. You the IRS now? <laughs> so I paid 10000 to get this slap off. And um, again, now mind you, I'm still like, at this time, I think it was like a size 12. So I'm still, you know, plus size. But I felt better about that flat because it was really interfering with me riding my bike. Because I was riding my bike and it kept hitting my leg. And I had to tell to move. The flat? Yes, the flat. What kind of bike you had? Oh, I had an electrical bike. So sometimes it rolled itself. Oh, so you shouldn't have did that. Just stay focused. Bite. No. The point is, Bite. I just wanted it off. So I felt like it was like the thing pack that never could come off. But I got it off. Clap for that. I got it off. Clap to the fanny pack. Damn. So what happened was, when we got there, I said, hey, I got a question for you. And this doctor, I don't know if I should say who he is. Oh, is this okay? Say it. No, I think he's being investigated. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I said, um... I said, listen, do you think that we can finish God's work? Wow. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, here's what happened. I said, when God was creating me, he had got a phone call. Think something was going on. I was born in 87. Who called him? Who called him? We don't know. Rodney King was getting beat around that time, right? Did Rodney King get beat in 87? What year was that? Somebody comment, tell me so I can put this in my story. The point is, there we go. All right, that's right. Hello? So just imagine him creating me, and then like what happened was when he had got to my butt, gotcha. that's when the call came in. Ah, I got gotcha. you. So I used to have a really long back. I don't really have a butt. Gotcha. So what happened was I said, listen, I said we should move some of the front stuff to the back. To the back. Now it has to look like, because remember this is a pandemic, doesn't see that much. So I said, it has to look like I've been walking and something developed with that muscle. I said, it has to be very real. 
Uh, I wanted to look like I did some squats. And I wanted to look like if I put the right pair of pants on, it's something really happening. Okay. So he said, that's going to be another 10. Stop at. So uh, I said, okay. I said, so okay. what is it going to come out like? He said, I'm not sure. He said, you have a really, really long back. True story. Long and the only back. people that really know some true stories are the ones that was in the room with the, with the health care helping me. Okay. So the long story short, this was a very ghetto situation. I actually got my surgery done. I call this restorative work during the pandemic. Now, y'all know that's not legal. Remember all nine needed surgeries were supposed to be canceled? All that, yep. No, sir. Let's add another two for your discretion. Again, y'all look at me crazy right now. I saw a lot of judges in this room. So the point is, um, it allowed me to uh, feel, I felt like I would not regret anything I did. Now, I will say this, a lot of people don't know this, but I was really, really, really sick. Um, I spoke at... Um, Greg Big Business's event in AC. Some of you guys were there. And that was in front of like thousands of people. My team was there too. And I needed them to literally uh, almost catch me as I got off the stage. Because when you get that surgery, you know how they like to fill up the little pockets and all that, uh, the fluid. And um, I remember the way that stuff was timed. I wasn't going to have enough time to empty the bag. It was a lot going on. What? And yeah, this is crazy. This is what we're So it, it refilled while you was on stage? It was filled up while I was on stage, yes. And I had my little compression on top. And I look snatched about them. We should like insert a photo into this one. YouTube. But anyway, the point is, I will say this: the reason why I went through all of that um, <laughs> and all that surgery was because, um, as a pseudo public figure, whatever you want to call this, I know that I have to be comfortable to stand in front of thousands, one day maybe millions, and I want to see the version that I see of myself. And I just feel like, why? You know, like. God got a phone call. That's not our fault. Like, we should help him. Mm. I like that. And that's why I think he created surgeons to help his work. All right, anyway, let's keep going. Hold on. I, I think that's... homework assignment tonight. Figure out what, when God got his phone call for all of us. Because I know it. He gave me asthma. He gave you... You do got really bad asthma. Skipping over it and then... You do. I think you should move. I think you have asthma because of this city. So you know you and I had the same type of bad asthma. Right. And I remember, I'm like, you got your inhaler because I got mine. Like, we used to be inhaler buddies. And <laughs> when I moved to Florida, I don't know if I told you this, but I'm on no asthma medicine. And actually, I don't stay in the city for too long because if I'm here only three days, it kicks up. And again, I'm not on any medicine at all. Oh, I'm so for sure it's Philly. I'm so, if you went to Miami or Florida, whatever, for a whole week, your body, your lungs would do things that it just probably never did. And I will say that I am fortunate. Um, money can buy some things, and money brought me out of asthma in the sense of I was like, I need to be in this type of environment um, and to be able to breathe better. So I would love, I miss all my friends and family here, but I, I don't thrive here in terms of physical wellness because of my asthma. All right, listen, we gotta get to some real questions before we wrap up this segment. All right, so what are some red flags when you are meeting a woman? I want to hear a man's perspective on red flags. Um, conversation, conversation, and personality. I have a, I have a, I have an extremely funny personality. All I want to do is laugh. Mm -hmm. so I, if I'm serious, um, sometimes I don't think that's a person you actually want to be around unless we're ha uh, handling business. Mm -hmm. 
So I would need somebody to, you know, at least match. If I'm on a 10, you got to at least be a 6.5. Personality-wise. 0.5? Yeah, you got to have some type of personality. A lot of people don't have personality. Mm. You know, we got the looks, but we, we can't hold a conversation. We got the looks, but, you know, we, we too uptight. You, you know what I'm saying? So uh, personality is, is key for me. So no personality is a flag. One more flag. Um, badass kids. <laughs> How do you, all right, this is a real question. At what point are you meeting that lady's kids? If she has children. Me, well, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to meet nobody's kids until we know that, you know, we are serious. And this is, this ain't even six months. This is probably like a year in. That's what I was saying earlier. There's no patience in this era. Like people are meeting kids two months in, hanging with the kids. Like, there's no way there's no female <laughs> that's meeting my daughter within three months. There's, there's no way. You, that it's very true and about you. The, the, the girl I meet six months after, in my daughter's mind is, well, my daddy was messing with her, her, yeah. her, her. And then that, that will affect her when she get older. So. I will say, one thing I appreciate about you, I knew that our friendship was changing in terms of being real friends when I hung out with you and your daughter. I know you let nobody meet your daughter. And I know your daughter is not a community daughter yeah. because she was very, very sweet. And I feel like you can always tell when somebody got a lot of people around their kids because they're, they're, um, they're not of good etiquette. They're like almost immune to, mm -hmm. to people coming and going. Yep. And they're even a little sassy. Like they, you know, because they're probably like another, you know, like, yeah, yeah that's real. Yeah. All right, so when, they, when, you, when you find out the kids is bad, what you going to do? I'm out of here. But you done put all this time in. That's like six months, hey, right? Listen, I'd rather leave within a year. Oh, a year? Yeah. You just gonna leave in a year? Her kid ain't gonna get no, he, he gonna stay bad. <laughs> <laughs> that nigga ain't gonna get good two years later. He's gonna get bad all the stuff. Oh, no, I'm out of here. No, no, no. no, all right, before you just leave, because this is a part of growth, are you telling the person, like, hey, yeah? Uh, no, I, would, I would definitely, one thing I'm learning about myself is I, I wanna learn how to communicate better. That was my biggest flaw. I was afraid to hear the, the truth about myself, and I was just afraid to hear the truth about, you know, uh, what anybody else had to had to say about me. So I mm -hmm. would let her know, look, Jerome is bad as hell. This is not going to work between me and you. You're a great friend, but, you know, I, I can't. If we move in together and he's like eight or nine, they're going to be, there's still years that he's going to be in the house with us. No, I'm not. What if he could, like, get adapted to you and, and change and learn you? If he ain't get adapted within that year and a year and a half, he, he, I don't feel like he is. But you, but you had just met him, though, at like six months to a year. Uh, but you I, had just I, I met him. Heard about him. All right, can I, can I give you some, can I give you some perspective? Let me give you a perspective. But what if you are, uh, you're a solid man, you being around could help influence and change him to being a young man? Because a lot of, and what's going on in our community is that there are a lot of women raising young men and daddies are absent or um, even if they're not absent, they're, they're maybe not as present when it comes to, you know, that young man's emotional needs. And he's also processing a new man around my mother. So do you feel like you can like step in and be a, a, a guide? I would, I would try to. I would really, I would really try to uh, because like you said, the, the father, sometimes these fathers aren't around and these mothers aren't really around neither. Mm -hmm. They be dealing with guys who, who they know isn't good for them. They, they know that. Why do you think they, they deal with these guys? It's something that's, that's missing. You know, 
some people look for love in certain places. Mm -hmm. and, and some people look for love with a person who's going to give you, you know, instant gratification mm -hmm. type of attention. I don't want that. I don't want nothing instant. I, I, I'm thinking about the long run. I'm not thinking about what's happening in, uh, in May or June. I want to know what's going to happen in May or June in 2024. Like, I, I, need, I need to see the benefits of the long run. That instant gratification, we're just looking for it to happen right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, he loves me right now, girl. Yeah, he loves me right now. Oh, I'm pregnant, girl. He loved me. I had the baby. Shit, I don't even know where that nigga at. That, mm -hmm. That's a cycle here. That's mm -hmm. a cycle. So if mm -hmm. I was put in a position like that, you know, I, I would try my best. I grew up in a two-parent household, so I know, you know, even when you, grow, when you don't grow up in a two-parent household, there are still benefits from that. You know, but I knew how important it was for my dad to be in my life. I mm -hmm. knew how important it was. But, you know, that kid has to want to change, though. Like, I could just feed knowledge into him every day. He has to want, he has to want to change. Mm -hmm. And then I can get to a point where, look, my hands is tied. I done tried everything. I feel like I done tried everything. You sound like you went through this kind of, sound like. I took him everywhere. Mm. This nigga's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> what else, what else do I do? Like, what else do I do, though? All right, let me ask you one more question before we go. This is good. Let me just, <laughs> this is good. Y'all like this so far? Give him around. He's being honest. I can tell. All right, let me ask you this. Do you, as a man, and I, let me say this, I, what I do know about you is you do really well for yourself, so I can ask you this question. I also want to bring men to this segment that I know can answer from the perspective of not needing a woman financially. So I want to ask you this. Does it matter to you um, financially how a woman is doing in her life and her career? Like, you, let's say you're looking... Well, even if she's not making more than you, what do you, does it matter how successful she is or isn't financially for you to take her serious? It matters if she doesn't show that she wants to do better if she's not at a certain level. Mm -hmm. If you just want to, you know, stay in this one area, if you don't, if you don't want to grow as a person business-wise, and I'm and I'm on that time where I want to grow business-wise. Um, and if you don't, and if, if we can't grow together, you know, that, that, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to be around lazy thinking people. Because mm -hmm. being around someone that's lazy, that rubs off on you. Any type of bad energy rubs off on you, mm -hmm. and we may not even know it. You know, there might be a day you was going out every Friday. Mm -hmm. and, and not going out, I mean going out like doing some work. Hang around a lazy person for a month or two months. I guarantee you, that Friday that you would have went out and did some business, child, let me take my shoes off. Why, why you do that? Because- It's an exchange that, of energy. That, yeah, that energy is rubbing off on you. So I will say that I definitely believe and know this to be true. And one of the things that I had to audit myself with um, into this new season a few years back is um, I had to commit to stop um, having sex with broke dick. You should see the reactions right now. They're like, did this shit? <laughs> Let me say this. And again, I, these are my real friends and family here. So this is the thing. Hold on. Oh, oh my God, my family's here. Sorry, fine. Oh, I got real family, family. Oh, sorry. Well, even our relationship has gotten different as we've been getting older. I'm like, I'm like, I'm not your little, little cousin anymore. I'm grown up now. Respect me. All right, so here's what I realized. This is for women to hear this. Um, when you are having sex with someone, right, and let's say they are not at their best, 
they yeah. are not motivated, yeah. they are trying to figure it out, out and they are maybe even be experiencing some depression, right? You're exchanging with that person and then you wonder why the next day your ass depressed or you're not on your goals or you starting to question yourself or you and you just exchange with someone who is depressed. You women are receivers. You receive that type of energy. So you have to be careful. I feel like in this season, if you are someone that's really trying to get to your goals, you have to. And I know he might be fine. He might be funny. He might be sweet. He might be. But if he is. Um, I would even say in a, a mentally and wellness is not in a great place or financially. It's like you, you probably need to pause with exchanging with that person. Um, it's almost better to not have sex with that person because that's a long term residual effect. And you're wondering why you are fighting a depression you didn't sign up for. You know, like you could have been OK until you got with Ray Ray. And here's what I will say. Because I can't be, um, and I tell my community this all the time, we, we probably online to like 10, 11 o'clock, but I don't know what you do when we hang up this computer. Like when we get off this Zoom call, I don't know who's going to text and call you. And you might pick up that 11 o'clock midnight call because you, you're lonely and you want some male attention, but now you didn't even get up that morning and go work out. You didn't get up that morning and make your smoothie, take your vitamins. You didn't do your business planning. You didn't because you, your ass still laid up with a broke nigga. So now, and I don't believe in people being laid up broke. I never understood it. You sleeping that well? <laughs> like me personally, when my finances ain't A1 where they need to be, I don't sleep. But people, I feel like you're crazy. Like something's off mentally with people who's asleep really well broke. There's something off, like, ah, oh, that's another episode. Yeah, the point the is, off, the water off, off. <laughs> right? They off. <laughs> all yeah, that's right. So maybe I used to just be off. I ain't got no reason to get up early for what? And, and I'll say this. Everything is off. And I'll say this. Um, I've always been also very protective about allowing men into my home. Like, I think that your home is like the most sacred space. I think people can leave stuff on your couch in your furniture if they're not careful. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking about like an energy. Like, like I pride my home on being, uh, it needs to feel like some money. Like, you know, I made sure I got like real leather chairs and, and I want, I got white plates. Like I, I, I work very hard. <laughs> not for about my plates. I was gonna say it's about white plates. See, they're gonna get me again, Gil. Gil, you was riding with these other plates. My plates are important to me. I think that, yes, it's okay to have paper plates. There you go. But I think that if I was to invite you over and serve you, I'm going to serve you on a white plate. That's just what my philosophy. But anyway, let me get to this part. I will, and I know, this I know you're not for me. If I don't want you to know where I live, if I don't want you to come in, I'm like, ah, I got to cut them off because not anybody being right. Well, no. Well, there's other things that let's back up. It's going to sound so bad, but I don't give a fuck. Like, I think it's so. All right. So I'll say this, I think that before somebody knows where I really live, I, I would have to have made a lot of decisions about them. I even need to know where they live. I might need to know your social. Because I think that like you can't take an address back and that's why I lay my 
had and as a single woman I do think about like that type of stuff like I I'm not looking for a good time at my house if that makes sense we're just not um I will actually play like I don't really ever have a home I'm just between houses right now <laughs> and then what's parked at my house there's a Lamborghini parked there that already sets a conversation if somebody doesn't know me by way of social media you pull up or you go in the garage, you grab something, you see a Lamborghini. It's a whole nother conversation to have. You got a what? What's that? Like a, a, a little beater car? Like Did I have Buick, one? Like a celebrity. Oh, a spider? Yeah, oh, shit, I ain't never spotted a spider. Drive around it? Um, let me see what I got. So. If, if it's over 50,000, it's not a spider. You got a Buick Park Avenue in, in Florida? Yeah. <laughs> no. I have a Jeep. Well, I have a Jeep. Not the Lamborghini. No, a Jeep. A Jeep. A Grand Cherokee? Um, it's a Wrangler. It's the big one though, right? With the big tires? Yeah. All right. That's not a squad. Oh, go ahead. Continue. I'm sorry. Well, why would I ever drive in a squad anyway? I'm just saying. But why? I'm not going to do that? I would. No. I would definitely have me a squad. No, no, no. So here's the rule of something. If I am going to the market or something, I would take the Wrangler Jeep. If I'm going out amongst Miami, I would take maybe my Tesla or E-Class, and if I'm going to an event, I'll take the Lambo. <laughs> this conversation sounds really pretentious out loud. No, I don't, don't clap for it. It's a good thing. Because I got some friends here that was with me when I had an Ultima that only would start if I turned it. What was that red car you had, the Burgundy? That was the Camry? Camry, yeah. Oh, you made me when I had the Camry with the bumper. Remember I had to tape the bumper? Actually, I want to say something. I've come a long way. Shit, I had a camera. Let's talk about that. Yeah. All right, I had an Ultima, y'all. True story. Camry's good on gas. No, I like my Camry. I miss it. I should have kept it. I paid it off. So I had an Ultima that you could only turn on if you was me. Like, I'm so heavy-handed that the key was so bent to this, not make this up, to the, the starter that only I could turn the car on. In my life, I'm like, I, I can't even ask my friends to move the car because it don't know you. Why you get a spare though? No, it wasn't about that. The car was so old, molded to the key. It's just a lot going on. So then I had a Camry, and the Camry was good. But then um, the Camry bumper had got messed up, and I was such in a depression coming out of that relationship that I never fixed the bumper. That's how I can also tell when people are depressed. I can tell about what you like if you driving a car that's actually a nice car, but it got these dents in it or the bumper messed up, and you ain't get that fixed, it's a little bit of depression there. The reason why I say that is because nine times out of 10, you got insurance, but your mind just can't fix it because you can't fix what's on the inside. So as I was coming out of depression, the first thing I did was fix my bumper. And I felt better about driving that car, and then I realized that everybody on my team was making money, and they had uh, Range Rovers, Benz, and I'm like, I'm the CEO, and I'm driving. Camry. I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the Camry, but then remember I'm moving to a different space now with different networks of people and I'm pulling up with the Camry. I'm like, ah, okay. So then I had changed some cars. So the point is, um, I, I have appreciation for, for people that, that care to put outward effort because I do think that I don't know what your house looks like, right? But I can always tell things about people when I meet them. I can, tell, I can tell really quick like how this is about to go. I'm gonna look at your shoes, right? And for women, like I think it's very important like at the bottom of your heel, like if this is run down, this is messed up, 
I think that you need to go get that fixed. This is like $5. But when you go outside and you wear your heels that's run over, you're communicating to the world something about you. I know that sounds like superficial, but it's $5. Go get that fixed if that's your favorite pair, right? I look at women's nails. I'm very big on nails. Even if you don't got to have all these rhinestones and pearls, that's just my thing. But like, are your hands clean? Are your nails well? Like your feet, like you say feet, I say nails, right? Um, I, I look at hair. I think, you, I think that hair is important because what are you communicating to the world? Even if you are a natural, is it cute natural? You got a good curl going. Did you care about the pudding you put in it? Like, and I just think that, and not to be superficial, but it's like we communicate success in a lot of ways before we even say hello. So I just try to be mindful of these things, and I don't always get it right, but I'm a work in progress because I care to be my best self when I'm stepping out into the world. So basically what you're saying is we stopped getting broke kids and got rich kids. Aaron, don't like clap for that. That's not what I said. That's what, I'm just saying that's what it sounds like to What me. I said is I'm making conscious decisions about someone that I want to have a relationship with. I want to make sure that they have their own. I want to make sure that they have goals. I want to make sure they've got some money. I want to, I want to make sure these things because the energy we are about to exchange, I cannot afford to be depressed. I'll leave you guys with this. <laughs> to be, <laughs> oh, depression is, is costly. Actually, I think it is a luxury to be broke. If I have a day in which, I, this, I just said this yesterday, I said, I know I'll be financially well when I have a day that I can watch TV all day. If I want to sit and watch Lifetime all day or movies all day and not care about the goal that day, the financial goal that day, I know I've made it. But every day I have to track a goal. Every day we've got a certain thousand we've got to bring in or the people that you see with logos walking around here don't get paid. And last time I checked, they don't get paid $10 an hour. Every day there is a number that I have to meet. And we're going to get into that with other conversations today. And so every day I have to be my best self. I'm starting my morning off with a little Joel Osteen. I'm only talking to certain people before a certain time because I know you're only going to talk about what I want to talk about. We're going to be positive with each other and we're going to motivate each other to get to the day. I have to problem solve throughout the entire day so I can't be sad or depressed. I don't even have a luxury to be upset with a nigga for more than five minutes because that depression upset, which would be an hour, my hour is a couple thousand. So now I just gave you a couple thousand because I was depressed with you. You know, I can't afford that. So I can't even mess with broke-minded people because I am in a place where everything counts. So I, I look forward to the day I could be sad about somebody for one day or I could be watching Lifetime, but that is an expensive luxury I haven't earned yet. And these are hard conversations, so I think when you talk to women that are really about their profession or their entrepreneurship, I, I give those women a lot of credit. I admire those women because I know you got a lot of people counting on you. If I decided to wrap this up, I got to have a hard conversation with the whole team. They're all not even here about how I'm in my feelings today and then get to the money today and now y'all don't eat. It's weird. That's why it's called That's Weird Podcast, right? All right, everybody give slap around their applause. Slap. I'm, in, I'm looking forward to having you back. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens with you in the next year. I think you're going through a lot of growth, and I think that you went through a lot of personal changes um, that was very rough. And I, and I do think that something 
how all of that, I dare I say it was something good happened for you. Um, you just seem very much more settled um, than way before ever. And I think that I would love to see how you evolve in the next six months to a year. No, I, like, I like six months. Six months? All right, guys, we're going to take a short break. We're going to go into our next segment. So make sure that you refill your wine. And also, I want to let you guys know that today's segment is brought to you by Shirley Girls Wine. Shirley Girls Wine is a black-owned wine company that is uh, started out here in Philadelphia, PA. We're going to put the information of how you can experience Shirley Girls Wine inside of the show notes. And if you are here today in the audience, please make sure that you use the QR code to check her out. We'll be right back. Back. Thank you for taking a short break with us. Hopefully, you have refilled glasses. And again, today's podcast has been sponsored wine. And so, we will make sure that you get the information about her wine, a black owned entrepreneur here out of Philadelphia, inside of the show notes so you guys can support her. All right, so we are back for our second segment. I'm so excited. I have one of my good friends and mentor here, Shani. And guys, to tell you the truth, she's really successful with a business called Dolly's Boutique. And like a whole year, I call her Dolly. Then one day she snatched, like, my name is Shani. I'm like, well, you should say that. <laughs> so we have established, I've updated her on my phone, and she's Shani. I would like for her to tell you about herself. And you're very, very important to this segment because one of the goals that I have is to interview um, other professional women that have been in entrepreneurship for a long time. I want you to get into that. And I want to talk about what that journey looks like and talk a little bit about relationships, if you allow us to. Um, and I hope that today you are comfortable in your, uh, your authentic self. We're just in front of a few thousand. That's good? <laughs> All right. Please <laughs> let the world know who you are, and then we'll get started. Well, my name is Shawnee Newton. I'm the uh, owner of Dolly's Boutique. Also, I'm the CFO of Newton Real Estate and also the president of my nonprofit, SBG. Um, born and raised in Philadelphia, educated in Philadelphia schools, went to Temple. I'm just um, and I'm thankful to be here with you, Sonia. Thank you for saying yes. yes like, of course. She's so busy. I don't know if she's going to have time. She went ghost for like three days. And then she was like, I can do it. I would love to. I'm like, ah! <laughs> All right. So here's the thing. You have not always owned um, Dolly's Boutique. You have been in the game of entrepreneurship for over 25 years. Let's give that a round of applause. <laughs> it really does give me great encouragement. Um, I'm going into entrepreneurship into year eight. And um, I didn't think it would have been this long. I'm going to be honest. I thought around year two or three, I was going to go back to work. Because entrepreneurship is like a roller coaster. You're going to have some really, really great seasons and some really, really low valleys. And because you signed up for it, nobody gives a damn. There's no one that outside of me calling you or a few others I can really talk to to vent. Because, again, you signed up for it. That makes sense? Mm -hmm. So I am excited and I'm appreciative that you've been an entrepreneur for 25 years. So let's talk about what that first looked like because it wasn't the boutique. No, no. So Dolly's Boutique um, has kind of catapulted my popularity. Um, but my first business was an, actually an auto detail shop, believe it or not. So when they say started shop. from the bottom, I started from the bottom of a tire. detail shop in Philadelphia um, and I started that 25 years ago um, just wanted to really be in business didn't know what I wanted to do in business but I, knew I wanted to have my own business mm -hmm. 
20 years old and um and I went for it and I said I can do this you know so we were really successful it was a my first take in business and I learned a lot about business how business intersects with the community and um you know it, it's been a journey um Boutique is my passion. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I found my passion through those years in terms of fashion. I always was in the fashion, even when I had the detail shop. It was all females. We had the cutest uniforms, and it was literally women cleaning cars. There wasn't no bikinis or nothing like that, but it was women cleaning cars, and then we had um, men who did the heavy service detailing. But I learned a lot about business, how to um, get contracts. I wound up contracting like um, with the city of Philadelphia, Philadelphia police. And like people took me as a joke when we first started. Mm -hmm. But when over the years we had contracts with PGW, um, auto, um, auto um, sales, where we would go out and clean their cars and we had a mobile um, truck as well. So it was, it was my first take on business. I was 20 years old, but I learned a lot and um, also learned a lot about real estate in that situation also. So um, but Dolly's Boutique is what has kind of made me popular over the years in terms of working with um, the who's who's and the celebrities and stuff like that. Um, and actually, actually just the average person supporting our business. So, so we have to definitely make sure that we put in the show notes a link to Dolly's Boutique. I think you have the greatest pieces. Um, I remember when I was uh, on my weight loss journey, I would walk past your store. That's how we met. Yep. Every day I would do six miles, three miles up to earn my Starbucks frat and three miles back. And again, it's the pandemic. What else do I have to do? It would take me like three hours to do a six mile walk. And then finally I got it down to two. So I, was, I knew I was getting quicker, faster. It was really great. But one of the things I appreciate is that she would stage her store in the pandemic. And I'm like, she's still making money in the <laughs> pandemic? Cause you know, nobody was outside. I mean, it would be me, her, the postal guy. And me and you. <laughs> Me. I mean, me and her, I mean, so, you know, um, and then I think I met another gentleman who used to take his walks, said hi to him. Um, I used to look for the trash guy that would beep at me. It's a lonely time, I'm glad to have met you. So one of the things that I really admired about you is that you um, always were very intentional about plus size fashion. And from the time I met you to now, my body, my size has changed. And I always felt very comfortable shopping with you because as I was going through a lot of physical changes, I needed someone to say, I think you should try this for your, your body shape. Also, my body shape has changed over the years of knowing you. And I think when I first came to you, I was a little more boxy. And now there's some things called hips coming out. And then the boobs did something, then it came back in. And at each way, I need things all the time for speaking engagements. Um, she's always been very mindful to tell me, that looks good. Or I wouldn't do that. I don't think that's going to look right. Um, whereas some people would just send you on your way and they don't care what you buy. So thank you. If I've never said thank you for making me always feel very confident for whatever stage that I have hit. Most of the pieces, and I do got to do a better job about this, are from her boutique because I know where to go for the nicest stuff. And I know I'm going to feel confident once wearing it. So let's give her a round of applause for just being a super, superhero to wear invisible capes. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I would say... Um, so Dolly's, we sell fashions for all sizes, but I, I found that over the years you would go into some stores and you would see some things for regular size and then the plus size section would be like frumpy and like the plus size is over there. So for me, I've been very intentional about if we carry something, we have it from small to plus size. Yeah. 
it just, just because the plus size don't mean you want to be in something fabulous as well. You know what I mean? So we don't sell no frumpy clothes. If you're looking for that, stick to Burlington's and all your other places like that. But Dolly's, if you want some show-stopping pieces, whether you're a regular size, extra small, or if you're a 3X, we're going to put you in, in something really fabulous. So, and I only deal with vendors that sell regular and plus in the right. same pieces. So. And I have appreciation for that because you ever pick up something and be like, that's so cute. It's only a small. Mm -hmm. I'm like, can I fit that? Can <laughs> I? No. So I, I really appreciate that. She's very honest when she says her sizes go from small to, I think, four or five X mm -hmm. most times. And then if you just get there late, maybe it is just a small. But I know she did start off with like <laughs> all pieces. So her deliveries come on Thursdays. Okay. <laughs> see? So when I fly into the city, I'm <laughs> not joking. I fly in Wednesday, so I can get to her store on Thursdays. Um, and I will say, you know, and one thing I appreciate about her is that she always looks out for her customers. Like, when I found Dolly, I felt like I was spending so much money with her, but I felt okay about that um, because I appreciate her hustle, her customer service. It's an experience. You get your wine or your champagne when you go in. If you want a private experience, you just, you know, let her know ahead of time. And I thought that even through the pandemic, she still catered enough and cared to do that when she didn't have to, right? Um, so let's get into some, some conversations, some little hot topics. So uh, one of the things I was very interested about bringing you on to this conversation is because, you know, you and I talked and when we really connected when you came down to Miami and I appreciated you coming. I'll say this, since I've moved to Miami, I really appreciate my friends and family who have taken the time to come. A lot of them are here. Thank you guys for visiting me because it is very difficult to uh, explain this, but you can feel lonely in a new city, even if you are somebody. Like I thought, oh, I'll just make some friends when I get there. And then it hit me. I don't want no new friends. <laughs> and I do want some new friends, but in the sense of like, I want my girls. And there was a, a period of loneliness and depression I experienced when I moved to Miami. Of course, I didn't say that online or, you know, tell anybody about it, but I was miserable for like the first few months because I'm like, if I was home right now, I would be, and then I'm on Instagram and y'all asses at happy hour, like, you know what I'm saying? Log off. <laughs> I've worked through it. So it did make me have to grow my social network in Miami because it would be weird to just sit home. I did have to get over myself. Two, I was weird. I didn't know this about myself, but I was weird meeting new people when I got there because there's this pretense that would come with whoever they thought I was because of social media. And God forbid if I drove a Lamborghini to the event and I actually had stopped doing that, let me just pull up with the Tesla or something else that everybody else is driving because now we can have an equal chance of a good friendship without it being so pretentious. And the other thing is, I'm still from Philly. I don't know if you're going to set me up. Like, you know, now I'm thinking about these things. You know, when I moved to Miami, I stopped carrying my 45 as much. But every day I was here in Philly, I always had a 45. It was just a whole lot. Like, I was going through initially. So when you come to the city and she tells me she's coming, I get excited. I block off my calendar. I move class if I need to. I be excited about my real friends coming in. So if you guys ever visited or will visit, thank you, sorority sisters. I was so excited. I was like, Whitney's coming. Woo! You know. Again, if she would have canceled, probably would have killed my whole life. Because I'm so, <laughs> don't, don't ever cancel. I'm always excited because um, I didn't realize how much I missed my tribe until I moved. And I don't think that people have that conversation enough. Like, 
you just okay. And when I remember my girlfriend April had moved there, and I flew in. We were there partying for like 12 hours, and I had to fly back out. But she, I remember her telling me how much that meant to her because it's somebody from home that's coming to see you, right? Let me ask you a question. You travel and move around a lot, and you have a lot of, well, let me ask you that. I don't want to put that word in your mouth. How do you decipher friends? Because everybody is her friend. Everybody, that's my friend. I'm like, no, you're not. Like, but how do, I wouldn't say that out loud. But how do you decipher friends being that you are very popular for a few reasons? That's a good question. And we just had that as a hot topic at one of our happy hours oh. at the boutique. A lot of people say that I meet so many people. One customer told me she met at least three or four people that told her that I was, I was their best friend. Yeah. And she said, I don't know who it was, but she said four people told her that they, that I was her best friend. And I think, you know, you decipher, you know, friends. You're I am friends. popular, but everybody is not your friend. Um, I think something that I do in my business is that I make people feel very comfortable. Mm -hmm. So um, I, th I think it's a balance between sharing some of your life with, with people when you're in business um, and also, you know, doing business with them. So I think it's a level of that that you do that makes people feel comfortable and they make people feel like a friend. But at the end of the day, many, many of them are just acquaintances. Mm -hmm. um, my friends can tell you they're very far and few and they can tell you personal things about me. Um, in business basically is what I want people to know about me. So it's good that I make people feel like they're my friends, but mm -hmm. in my mind and in my heart, I know that who my friends are and they are far and few. Mm -hmm. So it's, it, it is, um, it's a hard line when you're popular because you know all these people and, mm -hmm. and, and they, and they are special to you too, as well. Um, I know a lot of you can relate in the audience, um, but everybody is not your friend. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. it's a level of um, a personalness with people that are your friends and a level of um, w what people know about you that can decipher who's you your share. friend and who's not. Yeah. So it's like you have to manage being public but still private. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I would say I'm managing that. I think I'm doing pretty well with it. Some things I think will come out in maybe class conversations that maybe I'm like, I probably didn't want to say or share. Uh, we're together all day anyway, what's going on? And you, here's what I will say. You and I do business the same in that sense. My business is more so of a digital perspective. So like the people more so in this front row, uh, we build community with each other through mentee-mentor relationship, through online and Zoom classes. But then it really gets to a point where if I don't see like a Gil or a Baron, Tasha show up, I'm like, are they all right? Did they call and tell me they were going to miss class today? Now, again, these are not classes, guys, that they have to sign up for. I'm going to be clear. I do so many classes and teachings that one could be at 11 a.m., one could be at 6 p.m., one could be at 10 p.m., and not to be funny, they're like on every class. So now I'm like, what do the hell do they do for work? I don't I do what I know. <laughs> but I really appreciate the loyalty. Like, Baron literally is on class with us during like his ride home on the train. I'm like, Baron, did you get in safe? And he going through the house. It's just so interesting. Sometimes I don't see some of my tribe, I call them tribe members, and I will send him a message like, are you all right? I have not seen you for a week. Now again, they do not have to respond to me, Shani, but they do, it's so nice. Mm -hmm. So I do feel the same way about the people that I'm in community with 
through like my online community. And it's always a pleasure when they make time to come to the cities that we're at to be seen in person. So thank you guys for being here and I really appreciate that. Um, I wanna get into some hot topics about relationships. How do you feel about dating someone that makes less than you in a year? Okay, so um, that's a good question. Mm -hmm. I think that um, when you get to a certain point in life, um, finances is not necessarily the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Now, I, I haven't always been here where I am right now, mm -hmm. but at this point in my life, I'm, oh, let me just say I'm single. I'm unmarried and I'm single. As of April 30th, 2023? <laughs> now, I've been single for I've been single for a while. So That's my perspective on this subject has changed. I it, finances weren't always less important to me as they are now. Now, I'm not saying you can't be bringing nothing to the table now. Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is when you get to a certain point in life, I've done I'm 48 years old. I have done most of the heavy lifting on my own. You know, I have established myself without a mate. Um, so at this point, do I, is that the most important thing? No, it's not for me. Um, because it's some things that I can't do for myself, you know, even though financially, yeah, I, most of the things I can do, and I don't need a man necessarily for finances. Not that I don't want your finances, but <laughs> let's, not, let's not get this part twisted. But what I'm saying is there's things that when you get to a certain point in life that you can't do for yourself. Oh, I don't need a man. That's not me. I'm not saying I don't need a man. I do because I don't want to be a man. Um, I lead every part of my life, my family, my businesses. I've always ran businesses. I've always had employees. I don't want to run my personal life, you know. So for me, finances is not the most important thing. Do you desire to be married? I do. Okay. Now, let me just ask you this. What are, and I know we're closing out on our segment, but what are at least two qualities that your future husband would have to have? Um, I could give you more than two. But. You don't need to. <laughs> um, it has to be someone who is confident um, and um, secure about who they are mm -hmm. um, so that they can walk next to me. Um, mm -hmm. Also, um, someone who um, can lead. Um, someone who can lead and like I said it's not necessarily about money it's being able to lead a family lead a relationship and not lead me down the, the railroad tracks you know what I mean <laughs> you know what I mean so um, if you only want two, those are the two I would say um, dating in this season what's so funny is I sometimes forget that I this is gonna sound weird but that I even have money or the money you think I have. Exactly. Um, I'm only reminded by it by something that person would say or do. And so then I have to snap back and I'm like, now I'm only conscious of it if you do something that is off par with my brand. So it is likely that if we are traveling, um, particularly at airport, it's likely if we are in a major city, particularly where I do events, that I'm going to be recognized. And I have this thing where people will do what I call like a, a test. For example, I will be in the market. This happens a lot. I don't know what, two things, marketing post office. And somebody will say, do you know what aisle um, the bread is in? Do I look like I work at this damn grocery store? That's the inside response. Because I have been tested enough to know this, I'll go, no, um, maybe we can find someone that has the supermarket logo on their shirt. 
I'll say it nicer. Okay, yeah, I was, I gotta go find it. Listen, I really love the work you're doing. This happens in small towns, big cities. And I'm like, what if I was to be mean or snappy and now my whole perception of what you thought of me would change? So I have to always be very mindful because these, I call them little tests, come out of nowhere all the time. The other thing is, um, I don't know if you experienced this, but with dating and meeting men, I always, uh, I have to assume that you have some level of knowledge about me or whatever you think that is, and I always have to play it very safe. I almost need you to kind of just tell what you think you do or don't know before I will say what it is or isn't, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. Especially, I feel like, in major cities like this particular city. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important. Um, you know, when you're popular, people have their perception of whatever they might think or have heard or seen mm -hmm. or, or whatever. Um, it's really nothing you can do about that. Um, it's just figuring out or trying to find out the, if the person is authentic in, in their approach to you or if it's for whatever they might think or mm -hmm. whatever they might think you have or, mm -hmm. you know, it's just, it's a hard place to be sometimes. Um, it's a gift and a curse for me. It has been. Um, because like you said, people perceive one thing or they might think you got what you got, but you know, it may mm -hmm. not be, you know, what people think. Right. You know, so. Let me uh, wrap up with this last question. So there is a question that I want to implement on every episode. Things that your grandmother should have taught you. What's one thing that your grandmother has taught you that you carry into your everyday? Well, my grandmother, um, was really like the most important person in my life. Mm -hmm. um, Dolly's Boutique is named after my grandmother. My grandmother, her name was Dolly. She was the love of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, she wasn't into the fashion business. When I, when, when I tell people that, they think my grandmother was in the fashion business. She wasn't. But my business is dedicated to her. And the way I live my life is dedicated to her. Um, but she was a strong woman. Mm -hmm. And she was independent. Um, she worked hard. Everything she had, she worked her knuckle her fingers to the bone um literally and so i think the one thing that she taught me was um to just be a strong person um and to push through adversity at any level mm -hmm. and um i know that i got that quality from her because i've been tested a lot through my life so <laughs> oh so i will agree with you the reason why i created the segment is my grandmother has been my most influential person um, and I think about her almost every day and everything I do. And even when I have a moment of wanting to settle and not do something in excellence, I do think of her. And one of the things that this segment is going to be inspired by is some things she taught. That it's like common sense, but not so common. For example, my grandmother was very, very strict on making sure you wore a good bra. Now everybody's thinking to themselves right now the type of bra they have on. I can see it in your face. Good bras, I think, are essential to success. And I'm going to tell you why I say that. First off, at this age and stage, I think that women, if you are over age 30, I'm holding you the standard of having matching bras and draws. <laughs> you should see his face right now, ladies. <laughs> why is this important? This is very important because my grandmother always taught me if there was an emergency and you had to go to the hospital, you would not want them to see you in anything but your best. So that is something that I have to do. Like, I literally cannot function if they don't match. They, I mean, they, at this point, they're so, it's so OCD, they have to match. So, and I'm also a believer that when you get to a certain level of success, you should replace 
brawls and draws constantly. <laughs> so I need everybody as a homework assignment. <laughs> Go home and audit your drawers, right, Barry? Men too. Like, does your wife be to look like you've been in a shootout? <laughs> like, do your panties got holes in it? Are your panties too big? Because sometimes we, shit, is they too small? <laughs> because a lot of times when your body not sitting right, it's because you got an old panty on from when you was two sizes smaller. And nobody's going to tell you unless somebody cares to say, you might need to go up a size <laughs> or down a size. And then the other lost art is shapewear. Little women and big women need shapewear. I'm, I stand on it. I just started a shapewear brand. So I think that what I've learned is if you're trying to get serious about your money and your success, I do believe it starts with your undergarments. How are you about to get to the money or close a million dollar deal and you got on some holy draws? <laughs> Like your brain isn't even at its best because you're worried about that penny. Again, I used to be that person because I had that stomach piece. So the little stomach either had to go over or under. That Y'all looking at me like y'all judging. That's fine. I'll talk to you then. So what I used to think about is I didn't want to buy pennies that was too big because I didn't want to have like what they call big draws and put over my flap. So I used to try to walk around with the cute draws. I, nobody was even seeing them at that time. That's the crazy part. But I learned that I need to be comfortable. I need to, my back need to feel supported. And I needed to wear the right size draws. So I just want y'all to know, I'm real proud of me. Because I'm like, you know, entrepreneurship has really changed my draws. <laughs> y'all can clap for that, please. <laughs> yes. So if we was ever in an emergency, I'm straight. Like, I'm, I'm ready to go. Like, <laughs> All right, so Shani, I just want to say thank you. This segment was really fun. Um, I appreciate your honesty, your authenticity, and I really want to expose my community to you. And, you know, I just hope that they get to, the chance to shop with you in person. It is an experience. It is. Um, even if they shop with you online, you're going to get quality. She has, like, what I call, like, the best airport pieces. Even something that she has on, I would definitely, you know, put with some, like, some Yeezys and be... And I always get compliments when I'm at the airport with all her pieces because they're comfortable, but they're with a fashion flair. So I always want to um, thank you publicly, give you your flowers, thank and my you. virtual flowers. You. Somebody insert flowers when we your edit this. <laughs> your support is my, uh, is my flowers. You know? I, and appreciate I appreciate your you. support. She's been a customer for years. She's a dear friend of mine. Yes. I'm so proud of you. You know, I, I thank support you. you and I'm She was one of the first supporters when I told her I was moving to Florida. You so should go tomorrow. You. you know me. I, I'm not going to say don't do it. Yeah, I'm, I was like, what I'm about the friend that's going to say do it. Yeah, I'm going to say do it. Yep. I'll be back on Wednesday. <laughs> All right, guys, let's give Shani a round of applause. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so we are going to uh, take a quick break. Don't go anywhere. Just maybe refill your wine glasses. Again, today's segment is brought to you by Shirley Girls Wine. And we want to make sure that you are having a joy, enjoying an experience with us with your wine at home. We will make sure that you get the information to support Shirley Girls Wine, which is a black woman entrepreneur outside of, well, yes, inside of Philadelphia, I should say. So, guys, we will be right back. All right, guys, we are back for our final segment of the That's Rare podcast. I hope so far you are enjoying this podcast as much as I am taping it. Audience, how you guys doing? <laughs> we only lost about one or two people, so we're doing good. We're doing good. <laughs> I will say that something strange happened during the break, and 
So what happened was, for the people that are um, not here, um, we have uh, one of our young ladies here selling jewelry for the women. And a gentleman brought out the entire jewelry table. Let's clap for that. Woo! A real man. And I think, Thank you. Uh, how many pieces do you think you had today? Oh, she knows the number. <laughs> She's a real what? So let's say this man up to like 100 So that's like $500? 475 All right. So somebody balled Thank out. You, Whoever you are. Let's thank the anonymous donor. Yes. I love that. Now, the anonymous donor, I think, did leave. So I'm not sure what was going on with that. It reminded me of a scene from Ghost. Mm. <laughs> like, am I like, if he's still in the room, thank you, King. But I think who did it left. Am I supposed to try to go find you now? Like, I'm really not good with this. If you're watching, just thank you. You know, professionally slide in my DMs, I can say thank you again. But, you know, not too much of a slide. But that's all right. <laughs> There's weird things always happening in my life, but I can't explain them. Also, I will say this, and it may not even be like a relationship or sexual. I think that people have a lot of gratitude for the work that we do in our brand. So let me just stop joking for two seconds. Because there are men that are in our community that have never been inappropriate, but maybe they were inspired. Shit, they might have got their loans forgiven. And what's four seventy-five to $100,000 in forgiveness, right? Mm -hmm. So we'll clap it up. Woo! Clap it up for you. For everybody standing, let's just say well, that's what that was. All right, there we go. All right, so I have one of my, uh, well, not one, two of my favorite people here. Now, the thing that I like about these ladies is that we can be in uh, between hard conversations, money conversations, vulnerable conversations, edible inspired that I don't do conversations. <laughs> You'll catch that later. And um, I think that what I really like about these two ladies is that they really know themselves. And I really uh, admire that. They have strong personalities in different ways. We learned that we can't call one of them mean anymore. We've got corrected. Mm -hmm. Won't say who that is. And she's not mean. I do have to apologize. She's very, uh, I would say, stern on her beliefs, particularly when it comes to men. It can come across as mean, but it's really not. She has more boundaries than I do in certain situations, right? Um, and then there's another young lady that's very logical. But again, once we get into her profession, we understand why she's so logical. So ladies, introduce yourself. Give a quick introduction as to who you are. We're going to talk about your journey today. And then what I also like about this panel is that you are married, one's married, one's single. And we have conversations like when we're together a lot about both sides of the coin and what that looks like. And I always really appreciate Shanique with being married that she gives really great perspective of things that she would have said, you know, maybe I would have looked for or maybe you should look for knowing us before going into marriage. So I thank you for that authenticity. So introduce yourselves and we'll get started. Yes, yes, so I'll go ahead. I'm Shanique Lincoln, the Millennial Money Maven. And I help people retire rich by investing in real estate in the stock market. Um, like she said, I'm a logical person because I'm looking at the numbers, like what's the numbers? Mm -hmm. um, but that also helps me in relationships. And so I always challenge my friends, no matter how much money we make, no matter um, you know what the goal is, how do we get back to some logic and out of our emotions and you know really get through these tough conversations? But um, super happy to be here. Congratulations to you and thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Yes. I'm blessing. I am a native of Georgia. I'm currently in Atlanta. I'm a business consultant. I work mostly with personal injury chiropractors, 
and attorneys. I help them build out their practice through lead generation and paralegal training mostly. Um, I am a mother of one king. His name is Barack. Hey, Barack. And these are my good friends. I just love them so much. And Sonia asked the last young lady um, one thing of what her grandmother taught her. And my grandmother taught me not to take any wooden nickels. That means don't take anything fake or no BS. And I live by that. You see how we're going to start this off? <laughs> now, I will say this. I realized recently, just even spending more time with them these last few days, why I'm attracted to them. So one is logical. I'm straight numbers, really at my core. Like, even when I heard that he brought out the table, I'm like, that was like five. Like, my, my brain goes straight to the numbers, and I love that about me, and I think that's what helps me actually get along with men very well in business because I'm always like, let's get to these numbers, right? Um, and that helps us keep a, a fine line between professionalism, too. And the other thing that I really like about Blessing is that she's like the bitch that I want to be. <laughs> no, with love. Like, so in this season, I'm becoming more of a bitch in a positive way, and I'm like, how would Blessing react to this shit? <laughs> I like that. And so because I think me working on my boundaries as I've gotten older is very important, um, there's some things that I'm telling y'all she don't have no problem just saying no to. Matter of fact, she don't even respond to some shit. I'm, I want that type of, you know, freedom, you know? Me, I will probably process how to properly respond, smooth it over, you know, especially if I really care about you. With her, she like, they shouldn't have sent that dumb shit. I ain't responding to that. And she go on. I never seen nothing like it. Like, I, really, I really aspire to be that person, but still be me. So she is helping me uh, find that person. Um, and I think that if you want to be very transparent, what I realized through therapy is that I have the art of people pleasing. And people pleasing may have come from my absent relationship with my father. I was doing some reading, I was doing some therapy, and it was like, maybe if I just do this, he would have done this, right? And then I realized recently that well, I love my dad, and my dad is going to be always in my life as a great friend. Like, if I call him right now, we could bust it up, make jokes about people, stuff, events, but the moment I ask him for fatherly advice or to show up as a father, it gets very, very weird. So, in order for him not to be weird and for me to have a successful relationship with him, I had to just act and call on him only as a friend. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. yeah. So I've learned that a lot of my need to please comes from wanting to have a relationship with him. And I realized that I do have one. It's just not going to look like mm -hmm. I think it should look according to what we see on TV or yeah. we see with our friends and family. Mm -hmm. And I also want to say I appreciate men in my life like my cousin Fonz is here, my uncle Stan, uh, I call my stepdad Richard. There have been men that have been present in my life that have stepped up to be the father figure that I needed. And as more of those men are more present, I make better decisions mm -hmm. in business and in male relationships because I have a sounding board to say, this shit seems weird. What you think? Like, no, he trying to play you. Like, but what if you don't have someone safe to have those conversations with? Now, my girlfriend Blessing here, she has the gift of calling it out from the beginning. So a lot of things that I might say to her, like, girl, let me tell you how, mm -mm, delete that shit. <laughs> you hungry? And then we just go into the next conversation. I'm like, delete them, block them. She's like, we're not doing that. You don't know who you are. And sometimes you have you got to give her flowers. Sometimes you have to have good girlfriends remind you of how they see you, the world sees you. And I'm like, bitch, you right. I'm going to deal with that. <laughs> Period. Um, and it's so interesting, her and I are having this experience in Atlanta. We hang out on like Wednesdays, 
R&B night in Atlanta. Did y'all know that? Yeah. Very good. It's fun. And we meet different men. We meet different people. Nobody's trying to, like, actually close a deal. We're just having fun being little butterflies. And her and I butterfly differently. So one time I had to say to her, I said, put that bitch away. We're not paying for these drinks tonight. So I set it up. I lined it up. And we get free drinks all night. Now, sometimes she listens to me. Sometimes she doesn't. And I'm only going to get some free drinks. But the point is, I appreciate that. Here's the funny thing. We don't need the free drinks, y'all. I'm still cheap in my mind. I want the free drinks. <laughs> She's such a boss. She's like, I'll buy him a bottle. I'm like, oh, no. She's pushing like, it, y'all. She is pushing <laughs> it. <laughs> Can't let her do it by herself. Listen, she, no, she, she buys the bottles. It's not me. She buys the bottles, but go ahead. <laughs> All right, so here's what happened. True story. Like, I feel like if you're trying to play with our face, Keep talking. I will buy it, and I will send you one, and then make you feel better about your whole life. That's, that's probably toxic, though. Right. That's not good. I'm working on some stuff. And Atlanta is not that expensive sometimes, depending on where we're going. If you buy a bottle in Philly, you are rich, and it's only $100. Like, I don't know. Miami, I would never. I am not trying to show up nobody in Miami. Miami single drinks is $40. Ooh. So you and this bottle can kiss my ass. <laughs> no, I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right, let's get into some conversations. So, ladies, um, we want to talk to you both today about getting to the million-dollar mark, right? Um, and you could say if you have hit the million, if you're right at the million, maybe different businesses, right? And I think that it's important of meeting people that's going to get to the million or have gotten to it, right? So in the pandemic, I made a few million. And it's funny because I didn't realize, you clap for that, but I didn't realize I made it. Yes. Until tax time. Mm-hmm. So I was working so hard. Mm-hmm. My heart. Yes. I hate to hear it. You know I'm a And that breaks my heart. Well, I didn't, when I said I didn't realize I made that type of money, it was because I was so like head to the ground with teaching and working and products. And, and so when it came time to, um, I, that was the first time I had celebrated that I had made that amount of money. Mm-hmm. And I had remember crying because um, if I had never took the risk of entrepreneurship, I would have um, still been at my same job. And my job paid me about 65000 a year when I worked for the college. And that's actually a pretty good number, especially mm-hmm. your cost of living is not that high here. And, you know, to do 65 or more in a month, it, it's very humbling. I'm like, I'm so grateful that I took and bet it on me. Mm-hmm. I don't think everybody should be an entrepreneur. I want to be clear about that. And my goal is not to convert people into entrepreneurship. As a matter of fact, I think most people should stay the hell at work (laughs) because there is a dog in you that has to exist. There has to be a work ethic in you that has to exist. There has to be a confidence in you that has to exist. And if any of that is missing, you will go broke. You will lose it all. And you have to be so radical. And you said something earlier in the card that I meant to catch and say to you, but we were doing so much earlier. There has to be a risk taker in you that you are okay with putting it all on the line. And I remember um, only thing that was my non-negotiable when I became an entrepreneur was that I just didn't want to experience homelessness. And I'm not trying to be funny when I say that. Like, I literally text my mom, like, if this fails, can I move to the back room? Mm-hmm. That's all I needed to know. I can rebuild anything. I could eat some beans and rice. I ate noodles and noodles in college. I could do that. But I, my non-negotiable, you could even take a car if you needed to, was my head to lay somewhere mm-hmm. and she said yes she said I believe in you you'll always have a room now I know that sounds like whatever 
Shout out to my mom for yes. like being there. Yes, yes. I think that's important because me being the eldest of eight siblings. Eight, Lord. Eight. Oh, my wow. mom and dad, they were 16 when they had me. So like, I feel like we've kind of grown up together. And yeah. being in that space my entire life, like, um, I just felt like I really don't, you know, didn't have that person to lean on. Mm -hmm. So, like, I would probably have to think about, like, well, dang, if something happened, where am I going to go? Who am I going to go to? Who can I call on? Mm -hmm. um, so, it's, that, that, that's great that you have that person. Mm -hmm. Because I think it gives you a level of freedom to really grow and be a risk taker. Right. You know, that, that kind of holds people back. Well, I think that we do take for granted that everybody here has a person. Uh, for me, my person person was my grandmother. Now, when I'm talking about, like, if I was in a financial crunch, a $40 situation, or sometimes, I remember one time she co-signed a car, and she knew I was very responsible even at a younger age when she did that. That was my grandmother. And then when she passed, my mom uh, received the home. So, but my mom got sick when I was 16, and she's only going to make under 40000 for forever. So I could never really lean on her in the sense of money, but we knew we had a deed at home. Does that make sense? Right. So even now, what I carry on my back in this season and probably forevermore will be my mom and my payroll. Does that make sense? It is literally to the point where I have a savings for my mom. So she's going to mess up at some point every month. And it just be, could be because of her shopping or expenses or she buys monogram hoodies for the dog. <laughs> Shout out to Dakota for holding my mom down, right? <laughs> I support these things because that's my mom's whole world. It's her and Dakota. Y'all ever seen them together? I think she thinks she's me, all right? <laughs> Let Dakota know like I was the original. No, but, um, and so what I say that to say is my mom's going to need something every two months. And it's my job to do it with a smile, right? Because she didn't have to bring me into this world. And you're going to be really transparent. My mom was actually honest with me and said, before me, there were some abortions. So statistically, I'm going to do the math. I'm not supposed to be here. <laughs> then she said she decided she wanted to have me. And she said that when it came time to have me, she said I was growing at the same time as a fibroid. Mm. Me and the fibroid were the same size, right? Now, you should see the men's faces in the room like, what? And so the doctors told her to abort me so then they can take the fibroid out. So she said because she had good insurance, she was able to tell the doctor, no, you need to get me a specialist that can get this fibroid and keep her. So really, y'all, I could be swirling down the road train right now <laughs> in a loving way. <laughs> so statistically and health, I really probably shouldn't be here. So I think... Y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. Okay, I told you to get weird. No, no, no. To be fair, we all are like one of 10 million sperms. You, you, so like, like, you made it. Like, they made it. Pull. I think people don't understand that. Right. We all need to be grateful. You're a little spermy. Sure. He had dedication, or she, whatever right. how this goes, and got to the egg. <laughs> so you are the product of somebody that was very hungry to be here. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. All right, and even if we take it a step further, just ancestral, if you, if you came from by way of a slave ship. Mm -hmm. And the people that made it here, you are the DNA of those that made it through conditions that was deplorable. Some slaves jumped, that bloodline we may never know. Mm. But you made it stacked on top like little boxes. Like, and I know that sounds like I'm being funny and colorful, mm -hmm. but when you just think about all the adversities it took for you to sit in this seat, 
you would just think about your life just a little different, right? Yes, ma'am. So I don't know if you're having a bad day, but I'm just looking at the little boxes. I look at the little egg. I just watch a little video. And I'd be like, okay, I made it. I'm, I'm supposed to be here. You're supposed to be here. So one, give it around applause for being here, right? Y'all yes. like, this that Vortex edible yes. conversation. Yes. <laughs> I told these heifers to not do that to me. I thought, they y'all slip something here. That's all you, sis. It's just the energy. It's, it's just the energy. energy. All right, we do have to wrap this segment up in a little bit, but I want to ask you guys a question. Um, marriage and entrepreneurship. How does it work with um, you being a successful entrepreneur? I don't know much about your husband, and I intentionally this weekend did not ask you a lot for this moment because I didn't want to have my questions too frank. And what does it look like if you guys are doing some type of work together? What does that look like? Yeah, so that's a great question. And I think that in every relationship, you know, you got to choose what works for you, mm -hmm. right? And so when I met my husband, I was already an entrepreneur. I've been an entrepreneur for like 15 years. Um, really, I've been an entrepreneur since I was a baby, right? Like, you know, it's just in me. I was selling candy, whatever, but like that is who I am, right? Risk taker, like we mentioned earlier. Um, and my husband is really more on the safe side. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, he really helps me keep a balance. Because, you know, the car I just bought, right? And um, I do things like that. And he'd be like, well, <laughs> ma'am. First off, I'm not going to let her do this. No, don't you dare. Don't do I'm it. I'm doing it. No. It's going to be for it's gonna be for rent. <sighs> she bought a car. Not just <laughs> any car. It ain't just any car. Like, let's cut this. And I want to say this. On this platform, this is the silent rule. You have to be authentically and unapologetically yourself. Right. Tell them the car you brought. Okay. So this is my issue. Not my issue, but it's an issue. I, it is an issue because I am I, I'm very humble and I wanna, you know, remain. Don't nobody way. grow from humbleness. I'm very grateful for mm -mm. my life and being Praise successful God. and all of that. <laughs> but <laughs> I I have my friends to remind me that I am that girl. Please tell them the car so we can speed this along. Okay. <laughs> and so I just purchased my first um, exotic car. Uh, it's a 2023 um, Rolls Royce. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm very excited to ride in. So, 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 to say, first off, I got in the car and it was too big, okay? Like, it the, is the big. front is very huge. I feel like I, I would never drive it. Um, but for I'll me, drive it. I'm, I, I'm an investor, mm -hmm. right? I'm an investor. I always approach everything with an, an investment mind mm -hmm. frame. So I bought the car as an investment, and I was telling you, minimum can make about $30,000 You will. In the car. So, you know, I, that, that's what I teach. I teach people how to look at things and flip liabilities into assets and turn your cash flow into your freedom. Um, so that's really why I bought the car. And, of course, now I can pull up next to my sis over here with the Urus and she not can. feel like I'm in my Honda. <laughs> she don't drive a Honda, she drives a Mercedes. <laughs> so here's what's interesting, and I had to be comfortable about this. I was one of the first women in our group to buy an exotic car, and I didn't realize how much of a big deal it was until it was a big deal. And I will say this, I even play small sometimes about it because I don't want to make people uncomfortable, but we got to say fuck that in this season because if... And, if you don't consciously show up as your big, authentic self, you will allow somebody in this room to be small. Ooh. And the last time I checked, nobody in this room in here should ever play small, especially if you're associated with me. And now by way of you guys, right? The thing is, I think sometimes we get comfortable with being average and playing small. And not that you need an exotic car or a big house, but everybody here, if I really set you down, you were comfortable to be vulnerable enough, you have a big goal that you want to hit. 
you, it's a big goal you want to reach, but you're around so many damn small minds that you're uncomfortable and you sometimes forget that goal. Sometimes you trade it in. Sometimes you settle. And what I appreciate about these ladies and other members of my mentorship community is that they don't allow me to be small. There are days that I think it is easier to be small. It is easier to drive the Camry. It is easier to move back to Philadelphia. It is easier, easier, easier. And my life would be amazing and fun, and I could ball out at every happy hour here and be just as, you know, Philadelphia popular as I want to be, but that is not it. The goal is if I want to go to Martha's Vineyard on a fucking Tuesday, I'd be at Martha's Vineyard. If I want to go to Bali for a month and be fed fruit, I want to go to Bali. <laughs> like, but there's things that we all aspire, and your goals are different than mine. My biggest goal is really surrounded by travel, because I know what travel does for you and exposes you to. Your goals may be different, right? And my other goal is I just really want to have such a cushion that my mom doesn't have to ask. She can just tap in wisely with a limited restricted amount per month <laughs> and just have, that's my wild goals right and I can't hit those goals unless I keep putting myself around people who remind me that it's possible and the thing about it is it's not just about money or cars it really is about you living the vision that you set up for yourself before you met somebody that told you no mm. and you don't know this but every day you're around people that tell you no let's get into it when you go to work tomorrow, right, you're going to be around coworkers that make you feel uncomfortable about wanting more. Like there are some of you here that work, and then there's some of you that have a, I call it an evening hustle or a weekend hustle. If you're not careful, you can feel bad about having that because you're not all into the job. Fuck them people. You could get let go tomorrow, and if you don't have exactly. plan B or plan C, like we learned in the pandemic, you're the only one that's up a creek. I encourage my own team that, yes, this is going well, but what else do you do to get to the money? Jennifer is also a real estate agent. I bought my first home in Georgia with her. If I'm gonna get money with anybody, get it with the people that you work with most. And matter of fact, it would be extremely weird for them to be around me and not think about extra money. I think that's a cancer. Like I can't talk about these big goals, these uh, six-figure months, if your home finances aren't okay, and if it's not okay, then what do you want to tap in here within SLD to make some money? Yes, want to learn some crypto, you want to do some Toro, you want to do some Airbnb, it would be extremely weird. So the ladies I work with, they're all bosses too, real estate moguls, and I mean all types of shit is happening in our community of our team, because if I show up small, it may give them unconscious permission to do the same. Absolutely. So it is your job to actually be a little more forward about it. I know. Because she threw the damn car in the middle of us having drinks like it was just a Toyota she bought. <laughs> and I'm like, I got to cuss her out when I'm, I'm sober tomorrow. I'm like, so, work on to it. Get back, so to get back to the conversation, um, how my marriage works, I'm an entrepreneur. My husband has a job. Mm -hmm. And for us, that works. And Well, for him, that works, right? right? Because I do push him into being more... Um, risk averse, right? But like I said, we came into this relationship knowing who's what mm -hmm. and accepting each other as is. Now we do invest together, right? We have two beautiful children. And I really look at, you know, I look at business and entrepreneurship separate from my life. You know, I think that, you know, a lot of times we want to co-mingle the two, but, you know, it's like you don't want to bring your job home. So how do we be in love? How do we build a family? and not really commingle 
you know, commingle business and still love each other and still grow each other, still push each other. Um, but yeah, we, we do our own separate things. He supports me. You know, there's no way I could be traveling the world with two children at home mm -hmm. and, you know, still be building, still be building a business without him being, you know, more stable. Right. Because <laughs> entrepreneurship is not stable. Yeah. Entrepreneurship is not easy. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, I would say he's always helped keep me balanced. And um, in our relationship, it, it works that I'm the entrepreneur. He's not. I know you had asked that question, but I do push him into doing more entrepreneurial things because really what I work for is for freedom for my entire family. You know what I'm saying? And I do think that the, the job constricts him a little bit in that way. But he a man, he wants to provide. I love how he provides. He loves how he provides. And that's what works for us. I like it. Great answer, Thank sir. you. Love it. Darling. Yes. Now, the fun thing is uh, about Blessa is that she's very clear on what she does and does not want, what she will, what she will not accept. What does single and entrepreneurship look like for you as of today? Well, as of today, it looks just like that. Um, I tried to determine very early on where this is going to go. So a lot of my friends, female friends, most of us are single. And I'm hearing them and I'm seeing them, what they're entertaining. They've explained to me all of the red flags that's been there since day one. And I'm like, so why don't we just cut this short? Because we've been on the same rotation, on the same path. We're in our 30s now. We've seen a lot of this in our 20s. So let's just use the past to make better decisions for our future. And I'm just very big on that. Like I, my money we can make more of, time we can't get any more of, the vortex is speeding up. So therefore, <laughs> yeah, she that in there. <laughs> so therefore we have to come to these conclusions a little bit faster. And I just seen us waste our pearls amongst swine mm. and it's just time for us to stop doing that. Yeah. It's deeper than the sex. This is your temple, this is, you're everything. This is your most prized possession. And nobody deserves that unless they deserve that. And even if they fool us, let them really, really, really fool us. Don't let it be an easy fool. I like it. So if someone was watching this and this guy is like, I like her, what would he have to do to impress you? Mm. Who are we talking to? Me? Mm. Oh. Oh, yeah, you married. <laughs> I'm so used to hanging out with my single home girls. Um, you know what, from my limited dating experience, uh, I've learned that a man with discipline is very attractive and important to me. Mm -hmm. He has to have routine. Um, he has to have a schedule that he lives by for the most part. Um, I've found that to be the most flattering thing because if he can live by that, when temptations come up, I feel like it's going to be easier for him to negate those things. Um, a guy that's just kind of ready for everything in the nightlife all the time, not getting up early, like I love a man that gets up early, that means he's probably going to bed early. So I'm paying attention to all those little things. And though you can do whatever you want to do at any time of the day, you know, they say without the two at nighttime, you know, more things you don't really want to be a part of. So him having a really great routine um, is very important to me. What would you say to the guy, and I know that I'm going to ask this question because there are some men that are here in the room that I think very highly of that are single and very successful. And I will say, ladies, I have to just say this, it is in your best interest to come to these live events. Because nine times out of 10, unless they stand with a woman, hold their hand real fast, hurry up, one, two, three. Good job. <laughs> Most times I meet men that are well on their million dollar journey 
and there's something about me that attracts them to my audience or my mentorships or programs and then they start coming to live events and I'm like if the women in the room was smart enough to pay the hell attention to who's sitting there by themselves and going to do show damn self because nine times out of ten that man has it together he has good credit got a little money and he's interested in things you're interested in but don't nobody ever really talk to that man and I'd be just like you know and then he doesn't want to be the predator in the room and I don't think I attract predators so now nobody gets <laughs> the wrong word. Nobody gets the chance to get to know each other because everybody just like so silent to themselves, right? So what would you say to the guy that's in the room that wants to meet a woman like yourself? What would he have to do to position himself to be recognized? I believe he needs to speak up. Like Ooh. the men are so technically supposed to be the ones that shoots the shot. Now, because I'm wanting to date and there's every now and then I do see a man that I'm attracted to and he hasn't shot his shot, so I'm forced to do so. Most of the conversation <laughs> that I've gotten back from my friends was, that's not in the feminine energy, that you shot your shot. You should have just been patient, let him come find you. So you never get it right or wrong, but theoretically, men need to be men. Men need to lead, men need to stand. If they see something they like, say something. You see something, yeah. you say something. If it doesn't work out, it, it doesn't work out, but we have a better possibility of it working out because you were clear. You know, it's just- their ego. You know, they don't want to bruise their egos by- It's a phone number. It's a yes. It's a no, we move forward. Most of us are entrepreneurs. We take no's every day. What's wrong with me telling you no? So when's the last time you shot your shot? Oh, um, you know, I'm about to shoot my shot at Jonathan Majors, just in case you see this. <laughs> Um, I'm not I, understanding it, but she has a whole theory. I have a whole theory that's for another day and another time. He needs to be, he needs a healer. I'm a healer. Okay, so the last time I shot my shot, just a very popular guy on Instagram. Please don't say the name. I'm not going to say his name. Thank that you. part I'm going to leave private. Because she's serious. Me, I don't mind. But, um, he yeah. actually watches stuff. Just go ahead. I slid into the DMs, you know, and. She did. <laughs> He has millions. You see how comfortable I am for her? And I'm like, it's not even me. Go Hold ahead. on, first of all, let me digress really, really quick. As I'm sitting here listening to Sonia, you are me. You just have a problem with being me with your close people, with your friends. This is very true. I am and her your outside. family members. But straight, well, this audience and just talking <laughs> in general, we're twins. I just want Wait, you to know that. That's why we get along so well. But to I see just, us on Wednesday nights. Yes. I just don't mind telling everybody this all the time. Now, back to this guy. He has millions of followers. So I've been shooting my shot, and I felt like if he wasn't interested, he wouldn't have responded. I'm sure there's millions of women shooting their shots. So I responded and kept texting him for a few months, and then he finally was just like, it's a negative. But hey, I tried. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny. So the gentleman that she's referring to is a part of our circle, in a way. And it's so funny, I, I, what, I've, what I've trained myself, and I don't think that these men are unattractive, I just don't see them that way at all. Um, as attractive in a sexual way. And I'm gonna tell you why that is, because this is my Shaniqua head. I think about my money. <laughs> the moment that I cross from being sister to a sex symbol or sexy, I'm gonna lose out on partnership and money. And um, I'm gonna be honest, ain't no dick worth what I'm about to gain <laughs> from your friendship. So I actually don't want to play in the little circle that we're in, because I know it's greater if I am less of a threat. When I was bigger and less curvier, a lot of the women and the girlfriends and the wives never had an issue with me around. 
We could talk to them all day and night. When my body started to change, I saw them starting to change the women, and I'm like, shit, I got to be pleasant patty. I don't want to get cut. <laughs> so I was super extra nice and more less alarming. Well, I find that interesting, though, because you just told the people in your mentorship. I said my money. In your audience. But no, listen, you no, just no. told them when you in these rooms, no, no, no. I'm talking about I don't want them to think that I wanted their men. Yeah. Because remember, you got to remember, we already had a friendship or already had something connected. And I'm probably the woman that they would have dated or wanted to date, but they're with whoever. And I don't ever want to seem like I'm trying to come across as being competitive or or that I'm really even into. I'm not, to be honest. Yeah. So I make sure that in this season, I'm super unalarming, super non-flirtatious. And if I feel like you still got a thing, I'm bold enough to pull that woman aside and be like, girl, I just wanted to keep it honest with you. And it works because they got the stigma of me being from Philly anyway. And I just say what it is your ass was thinking. You're not about to mess up my money, sis. Like, first off, you're not even a wife. So you, like, <laughs> no, because what happens is I don't lay next to this man. I don't pillow talk with him. So you might cancel me out thinking I'm trying to get him. I don't want him. I want his ass on my class because I'm going to run his number up when he be a guest appearance. But if it seemed otherwise, I'm not going to make that successful relationship. So I had to do some self-awareness and be like, ah, let me. And then even those that are wives, I had the same conversation. We good. And I get invited to stuff. But I do think that that is a thing in our group. And I never want to talk to that. anyone in our group. Either, and I'm but... not close to that one that we mentioned. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen, I think, it's, I think it's really interesting, right? As a wife, right? I've seen wives of these successful men, like you said, be very overprotective mm -hmm. and there was a podcast that um you know some women were talking and they were like don't you ever two-hand hug my husband and like it's two like hands. okay yeah, like two-hand hug like embrace the man with two yeah, hands I don't, yeah. that is married right so these are you know women in in a circle and it's like for me i'm just like it's all love right i'm operating out of love are you clearly not who the wife yeah well, it's a lot of these women not operating out of love. Right, this that's what I'm saying. Clearly, clearly they're not, and that's why. But they not the feel... wives, the the women around. Like for me, I have to have an old man pastor. Okay. Because I'll be looking at them young pastors like a powerful man who could preach the word does something to me. <laughs> so I'll be in the congregation having all of the wrong thoughts. His wife not wanting me to two hand hug him is a very smart idea because I'm having <laughs> some thoughts. So. You gotta be like 70 years old to be my pastor because a man who know the word be, yes. I understand that, but we're talking about small. The Lord child. <laughs> the Lord. It's a circle is a circle. The congregation is also a circle. So um, when my point is, these men are powerful. Yeah. These men are wealthy. Right. And, and all 90% of us in this audience are single. And seven out of 10 marriages end in divorce. Y'all might be getting divorced. I need to be around. <laughs> so. I do not share the same views. I love the Lord, young or old. I am not trying to break up your marriage. I did um, not say that. I know. Well, let me say this. Go well, in anyway. So I am conscious. Right. I will say this. Even the men that are here or wherever I'm going, I'm always very conscious that if you're not my man, I do not two-hand hug. Matter of fact, I've always been conscious that even as a little girl, my mom taught me I had a size C in breast when I was like 10. Mm, so too. my mom always taught me I could never even hug family members with two hands mm. because of my breast. So I don't even know how to do a two-hand hug. If you see me hugging somebody two hands, we bucking. Like, <laughs> like that's just what it is. So now y'all been watching, y'all. Like, no, I'm not. Just because I'm married, right? 
I don't do two hand hugs. I'm a I don't. Woman. I'm not single, right? So I'm a married woman, and a lot of these guys, like you said, we look at them like brothers. So it's like, what's up, bro? Brain is switch. Miss you. you know what I'm but saying? But my arm normally does do this. It's normally a, a one hand church. It's hug. not usually this anyway. Yeah. I'm very rare with a two hand hug, like super rare. And if you try to do that, I'm like, you must like me. And I don't You're like. You're not hugging Neo with, with one hand. Like, I do hug him with one hand. Do you? Yeah. But it's like your brother. I don't care. I mean, I'm one still mindful. Is a, one hand's good enough for a brother. Well, like, but Neo and I, it's funny because it was a point where when, uh, hey, shout out to Nehemiah and uh, Vina. Who yeah. connected yeah. us. Yes, yes they yes. are connection, connected in this room. Um, I think that a lot of times, even I think about their relationship, I met him, um, they were girlfriend, boyfriend, but they, of course, they, before I met, came around, and then they went to fiance, and I remember putting my stamp on Vina, like, one day, him and I were traveling, I think we was in Vegas, and I wanted to talk about something. I was like, and I tell the story all the time, I said, the way she care about you and your cream of wheat, <laughs> I'm like, you got to marry her. Vina would practice his cream of wheat when he traveled, and she wanted to get it so perfect, like his, how his grandmother would make it, and she said she would, she would make about 10 batches until it was perfect. That's and that's I'm when single. I knew my ass wouldn't be a wife. That, look, that's why I'm single. You because just cracked the code. I don't give a damn about no cream of wheat that bad. And, she, and I thought she was going to laugh. She ain't never laughed. <laughs> so all the things that's coming her way and the success that they're sharing, bitch, you deserve that. Because one time we was FaceTiming and she was practicing the fucking cream of wheat. Now, I don't know if she started practicing because it was FaceTime time or she had been doing it. That's her business. But that's a, that's a good woman. That's a good woman. <laughs> and so, and there's some things that she even shared at his birthday dinner recently when she was just like, you know, for a minute she held it down with the finances. And now she said, I just never thought we would be this successful, but I knew there was a level of success we would hit. I mean, I think she deserves everything. Oh, but long story short, what I was saying is, it was a point where I pulled her aside. I said, hey, listen, I, you know, I want to let you know, you know. And when we were traveling, him and I used to like share hotel rooms. Well, he had a bed, I had a bed. And we had no money at this time, so you know, it's what we could afford. And I said, call her ass on FaceTime. Everybody go sleep now. You just go sleep. She wake up at 3 a.m. We all still sleep. Like, let this FaceTime run, put it on charger. Yeah, because I was conscious to never want her to be uncomfortable. Yeah. And she said to me, uh, I think when they got engaged, she said, you, you're really one of the only few women that always thought about how I feel mm. uh, about him and, and you guys' relationship. She said, for that, I always love you. She said, because you didn't have to care. Yeah, because I want to be around for a long time. That's right. my brother. I don't want to be canceled out. I don't want you to think twice about me. And then when I started physically changing, now I got a hip and shit, you know, a little butt. <laughs> like, I don't want her to be like, oh, you know, like this is the same personality, girl. Don't worry about little sex changes, right. you know. But and I think that that's why we've been successful with our friendship because I don't want that man. Like I don't give a fuck about no cream wheat. I don't care. Like, <laughs> like I want to be. I want to make some millions with him, and we have. And I want to keep making millions with him and others in our circle. So I've been very conscious about that. Um, our last question before we wrap up, I'll ask you guys this: um, What does it look like for you um, in terms of? making sure in this entrepreneurship journey, your mental wellness is good. But men aside, what is having great mental health look like? Mm, girl, that's, that's a deep one. Um, so I believe that, you know, your mental health is connected to your spirituality, it's mm -hmm. connected to your level of success, um, it's connected to like the energy that you bring into your life. Um, so for me, I think mental health is first before anything, and that's why I believe that not everybody should be entrepreneurs. Right, because entrepreneurship will deter your mental health real quick. If you are not mentally sound, if you are not confident, if you're not strong, 
Um, so for me, it's like number one these days, you know, and I, I, I've been hearing this uh, saying on Instagram, um, when you practice something for 100 hours, you become a master of it. And so 100 hours in a year is just 18 minutes a day. So I was just telling Blessing today or yesterday, um, you know, I want to be intentional in spending at least my 18 minutes pouring into me. I'm a mom, I'm a wife, I'm a, I got hundreds of clients, you know what I'm saying? So for me, mental health looks like working out. Mental health looks like um, sticking to my goals, you know what I'm saying? That, that's what I do to pour into myself and my self-care. Um, sometimes that looks like me hopping on a flight to go get some sun. Sometimes I need to journal. Sometimes I need to talk to my therapist, and sometimes I need to just talk to my girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. So um, mental health is, is, is number one. Um, it's, it's a struggle, right, to keep it balanced with all the highs, lows, valleys of businesses, mm -hmm. um, motherhood, wifehood, and all of that. But um, I think this is the number one thing that we have to master uh, is our, like, our self. So self-mastery is key for me, and that's, that's really what I work on first and foremost before I do anything else. Everything she said, and the only thing I would add is avoidance. We kind of had that conversation earlier. I really do a good job of avoiding toxicity or it doesn't have to be toxic just anything that I watch what I eat like I don't listen to a lot of rap I only catch it if I'm at the gym because the gym is playing it um, I don't watch any TV it's just so much garbage that can be poured into you subconsciously that mm -hmm. I do my best to avoid things that are not healthy for my mindset so I'm not putting myself in certain environments not having certain friends like I had a set of friends that it was affecting my mental health I felt it and I was just asking God, like, they, they haven't done anything to me, but the conversations that we're having is not the conversations I want to have. And to just disappear from them doesn't feel right. He made them disappear. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and if you make the prayer, he'll do what he needs to do. But I'm just very big on keeping my, my, everything around me as positive as it can possibly be and just feeding myself good things as much as possible. Yeah. I think for me, I'll close out by saying that mental health um, it's something I'm very, very diligent on and very intentional on. And I can buy a bag or a shoe. I can pay for good mental health, meaning I, my therapy sessions are now non-negotiable. Um, I've learned to decipher what should be shared with a therapist and what should be shared with a girlfriend. And that was really hard because my girlfriends have been, shout out to y'all, therapists unpaid. For many years, y'all haven't left. Shout out to you. And I realized that in this new level, um, it is not fair for me to pour onto things that A, they may not have awareness of, or B, they are moms and wives and sisters and girlfriends and workers and business owners too. So it's not fair for me to pour my shit onto them. Like, and then I didn't want to lose any friends while having all this. And then the last thing is I will say, um, I know that I, travel is my relief. Like I know it is very therapeutic for me to be on a plane to go into somebody's water. Or being that I live in Florida, it is okay for me to decide when to close out this part of the calendar, I'm going to drive 20 minutes and I'm going to go in the ocean. And I don't have to tell it or announce it or put it on Instagram, but I'm waiting in the water most times. And then I'm gonna get out the ocean and I'm gonna reset my day, right? That. So that's what works for me. That's what I appreciate and enjoy. Um, and I also think that what you said is very important, um, people. It is okay to put people in a box, so to speak. Um, there's some friendships that I've had for many years. Some are new. Some we've lost touch. We got back together. We ebb and flow. And I'm doing a better job in this season of expressing to people what I can and can't take on. 
I can't take that on. The cup is already full. Or I love you, but I cannot support you in this way. Mm. Or, and, and being okay with the chips may fall where they may fall once I say what I need to say. And hopefully I'll lose people I love in the process, but guess what? I don't give a fuck. Because what I realized is I was always a threat away from falling apart. Exactly. And with the new pressures that I'm facing, I, didn't, I couldn't afford that threat. The threat was getting thinner. And it got, got to the point where, and I know God does this for me, I get so radical where I'm like, I can't, like, and, I, and I've been learning how to manage that before we get to the level of radicalness right. because I want to be there for people. Um, and being okay with just saying the word no. Everyone say no on the count of three. One, two, three. No. That's a whole word. It's a sentence. And letting that guilt go with what comes behind no. Because if you know me and you know how much I love everyone, in this room, if my yes is a yes, it is coming from a place of being filled. But if my cup is low, that's a real no. And I'm okay with standing on it. So, ladies, I think that your conversation today has inspired somebody that's watching, audience and those watching um, online alike to be their better selves going into entrepreneurship. What's funny is I had a whole plan about really talking about more money with them. But I'm okay that we didn't get into a lot of money conversations. But I will say that on this uh, journey with this podcast, we will talk about money. We will talk about hard numbers. And I think it's okay to say, like, girl, you made 200000 last month. And I like that conversation mm -hmm. because why? If we don't say numbers like that in this situation, this economy, in our community, we don't allow people to know it's possible. Mm -hmm. Maybe your goal isn't 200000 Maybe your goal is to get it to 10000 or to 20000 Everybody in here wants to make more money. And it's okay when you hear people that look like you, everyday people, making that type of money, it's okay. So I really want this conversation on this podcast to be inspiring. I don't want anybody to feel like they're toot-toot or beep-beeping a horn um, because everybody here has a story. Mm -hmm. I really, really appreciate knowing your story more and more each day. You didn't come from the monies, but she made the monies because when you really unpack your stuff, you had to make it. Same with you. Same for me. And so um, I'm hoping that people, when they're watching, when you're done this show, you're like, let me get to some fucking money. Yeah. Let me get to my best self. Let me get to my mental health self. Let me go take that walk like I was supposed to take that walk. Um, and so I hope that they're inspired each week. So. All right, guys, how do you think we did for our first episode? I'm somewhere between needing some shots, some sleep, some Jesus, some real food. I don't know what I need. Um, keep it in prayer. And I will say that if all goes well, this will be airing every Friday um, on YouTube and on Apple, iTunes, right? And I hope that the best thing I can ask that you can do Support it by sharing out with others. Tune in, listen to it. I trust that if you're in this room, you'll give your authentic feedback. If it's that crazy, just go on and, you know, um, slide that to my phone, um, not online. And then um, the last thing is, again, I want to just announce and say thank you to Shirley Girls Wine for being today's sponsor. Um, we look forward to tasting much, much more of her wine. It made the conversation a little bit more fun, a little bit more authentic. And from us to you, whether you're here in the city or you're at home, we love and appreciate you. And until next time, we'll see you soon. All right. Ooh, we did it. We did it, Joe. We All right, so guys. Ooh. Ooh.
Yeah. You are a I want to take this girl off, too. All right, listen. Okay, so one, guys, thank you so much for sitting through today. I hope you, you can cut the music. I hope you appreciate it. Um, when the conversation comes out, we will be sure to email you, text you to let you know, put your comments, share your thoughts. Uh, we're looking to do more live conversations like this in the city. Um, just love to have you back as just a general audience, no cost. I just have to make sure we find venues that can hold your seat. And I do think that there's an art and a, a genocide choir, if you will, about having people in person with these type of conversations. Because I'm feeding off of your facial expressions, your facial expressions, hers like, bitch, you know, like, <laughs> so I didn't know. Um, so I, I really appreciate you guys being here. I didn't know how much I needed that to make this a success versus it being like a monologue for the first one at home. So I'll be thinking about your faces as I do the upcoming conversations. And then we'll let you know, may, we may do another session. Um, if not here, maybe another space, just depending um, at the end of this month with new faces, new conversations. So if you like these type of talks, you'll be invited to come. And then um, also think about how, if you have advice on how we can get the audience more involved, um, I think the next time we'll have some live mics to be able to take some Q and A and some feedback. So now that you guys kind of know what to expect, all right? Congratulations to you. Yes, thank you. We did it. Thank you to my team, Jennifer, flew in, Kathy, drove in, and they make everything happen um, seamlessly. And it just is a very much a pleasure and a joy um, to have them on the team because they do all the little nuanced work that I'm not able to do at this level in this season. Um, and just their level of, and attention to detail, I just truly, guys, don't have. Like, I would have just invited y'all, and we would have stood for two hours. Who thinks about chairs, you know? <laughs> she does. And then she wanted y'all to have balloons. I give a fuck about no balloons. Ooh, you know, so, like, there's just things I know I'm not equipped to think about, but they're very thoughtful, and they care about our brand. And I miss you. We don't always get it right, but I, I think that we do our very best. So if you're in our tribe and not a family and friend, thank you even more so because you guys are not linked or committed to me in ways that these other people are. So thank you guys. Um, get home safe. We're going to close down the next 20 minutes so we don't go over too much time. Um, and please stay tuned. You'll get a notification for when this is all edited, clipped up. I think it's fun watching edited versions because you're like, they left out the part. <laughs> I don't know what will get included or not included, but you guys were here to see it and hopefully it makes some good history, all right? Thank you. And we take some pictures, too.